Hello, and thank you for listening. My name is Jeremy. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. And welcome to the 2021 Last Podcast Thanksgiving Thanktacular. Once again, we are without Kevin, because I'm bad at scheduling. Well, I mean, so is Tyler. I'm good at scheduling. The problem is I'm just overscheduled. That would make you bad at scheduling. Yeah, okay, fair. It's a different problem. Yeah, you I know feel- who's great at scheduling? Me. Are you, or have you just not exercised the skill ever? I'm great at scheduling. I'm the one that runs all of our game nights. That's fair. Happy Thanksgiving, if you happen to celebrate it or live in the States. Happy Thursday, if not. <laughs> happy 2021. Uh, I wouldn't get that far. Yeah. Uh, I'm wishing people a happy 2020. Well, what's left of 2021 and going into 2022. Merry Ides of 2021. I guess we're past the Ides. We're way well past, past the Ides. Ides. Yeah. What, co- what comes after Ides? The Falls? The End? But no, I, there was like a word for the end of a month. Why the hell do you think I would know? That's Latin. I just, yeah. You're a words man. I'm not a major in Latin. Yeah, but lots of English words are secretly Latin. Lots of English words are also secretly Japanese and French. What's your point? And Greek. Like, I don't feel like we take a lot from Japan. Yeah, I was, what Japanese words are Karaoke. you thinking of? That's literally just a loan word, though. That's not even secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's like wearing a fake mustache and saying, hello, I am definitely What not. do you think English is made up of? That's all they are. <laughs> That's all of our words. I mean, we have a lot of Germanic. I feel like we came by that honest. If by honest you mean we kicked the crap out of a bunch of Germans and stole their language. I feel like that happened the other way around, actually, but... Yeah, a bunch of Germans kicked our ass and demanded we say words the way they did. No, that's how we got French. And Dutch. And Latin. Well, mainly French got added into it because they took over England. But no, Germans came over here and everybody was like, those words sound great. Let's steal them. No, I mean, like, most of our language is Germanic. English is a proto-Germanic language. Anyway. All right, so we are here today (laughs) not to talk about the English language. But but to discuss the disposition of our uncle's estate. Sorry. (laughs) But to thank all of the lovely people who backed us on Patreon in the year 2020, whether they backed us for one month, one donation, or they've been with us all year. Or inflicted a horrendous punishment upon us. Yes. You know who you are. In one case, yes. So stick around if you want to listen to that. If you're looking at the episode length and being like, oh man, they must have a ton of patrons for how long this episode is. No, we just have one very enthusiastic patron. But tell your friends you can add more to the list. We're going to be thanking people in the order that they pledged. So if you do not hear your name, we are recording this on November 9th. So a little bit before it came out. And we've been getting a pretty decent influx of patrons lately. But I will save the uh, recruitment speech for afterwards and just start out by thanking Daniel Noland. Happy Halloween, Dan. I would like to thank Jacob Gohan. Yes, I'm choosing to pronounce it Gohan. You know who you are. I will say apologies if we pronounce any of these names incorrectly. I am using the names Patreon gave us, so hopefully you're okay with us reading those names. Uh, I'm probably going to be the worst one off because we all know how bad I am when it comes to these kind of things. So I guess I'm going to have to be the one that thanks uh, Jesse Weed. Again? Didn't you do that last year? <laughs> I think so. And I think I had the same problem last year, too. I couldn't say it with a straight face. I did it before off the mics. But now that we're on the mics, I can't stop myself from giggling. I think these are our first three patrons, and I also did it in order of patronage last year. Thank you to Katarina Lopes, or possibly Lopez, but I'm pretty sure Lopes. I was going to say Lopez, because Katarina, but... Yeah, it is a Spanish name. I feel like Lopez should have a Z in it. Maybe that's wrong of me. Maybe it's just the beginning of a sentence. Katarina Lopes along. Hey, thanks to Dante Griffith, which is just a rad name. Congratulations on having a rad name, Dante. I think I said this last year, too, but that sounds like a football player's name. 
why? There's a lot of football players out there that have names that are similar to that. Like, th- I think there actually is like a Deontay Griffith that plays for somebody, but I could be imagining that. Well, thank you if you're a professional football player for giving us some of your money. And thank you even if you're not. And yeah, that's just al- insane. Also that. <laughs> uh, I'd like to send a uh, thank you to Cole. I would like to thank Nth Soccer 4206 Thank you to Nathan Willis. Thank you again to Arturo. I can only see that from very far away, and it looks like it says Amaro to me. I, I had and to do a double take on it to make sure that it that it didn't say Amaro. All right. Tyler knew how to pronounce this name and told me, but I don't and don't remember. So thank you to Jakek Blonsky. Thank you to Looker. Thanks a lot, Slack. Yeah, we'll get to you. <laughs> Seriously, though, he's, he's been around for a long time. Maybe not patron, but he's been a lot along for a while. And last but not least, thank you to Ryan J. Poole. And those are all our Patreon backers for this year. We are very, very close to our $50 goal, where we will all do a Let's Play of Journey to Jaburo. We are, in fact, at $49. So if you came and pledged a buck, you could push us over. And you get all sorts of things if you subscribe to our Patreon, like Tyler is fond of saying every week, but I don't get to do the sales pitch often. So I'm going all in. If you pledge $5, you will get episodes about a week early of It's a Gundam. You will get every episode of What's a Gundam, which we, me and Kevin record every other week, where we talk about Gundam Wing and stuff starting to happen on Gundam Wing. Can't, no, nah, that, that doesn't sound right. Look, Troa betrayed them, but not really. Uh, Hero is there. Catra is sad. Wufei's a jerk. I thought you said something was starting to happen. Yeah, I said starting. Zex Marquise is like, oh, I'm Milliardo Peacecraft. <laughs> okay, that actually sounds like an event. Because the rest of it just sounds like the status quo. And then Hero and Troa arrested him for being in space. It was his fault he was in space. I think I actually remember the episode he's talking about, which is crazy. Also, you get all of our bonus episodes, which are coming out about once a month. We did things like talk about every rebuild of Evangelion movie. Those are quite good. We also watched an episode of Hey Ghost, Let's Fight. That was less good. (laughs) But so fun to talk about. As well as an episode that should be out shortly or just came out talking about the Code Geass movie, Lucia the Resurrection. I don't know if that was good or not yet, because from this time period, we have not recorded it yet. Yeah, this is, I mean, I enjoy the movie. This is past Jeremy talking about future Jeremy. Yeah, I am thinking, I'm, I'm floating this idea on the mics. I'm thinking of making What's a Gundam a $1 Patreon reward. What do you guys think of that? So then every other week for a dollar, you would get a podcast where me and Kevin go, Wufei sucks. <laughs> is Lady Ungood at her job or a magical girl? I can't tell. Um, I kind of like that. Like, I, fe- I feel like there's not a whole lot of reason to do the $1 reward yeah. other than just, you know, liking us. Yeah. So, so yeah, from now on, for a dollar, you get What's a Gundam. But free for everybody, because Slack made a generous donation to us. We are going to be watching the dreaded G-Savior movie. Did you hear that they're doing another live action movie? Yeah, yeah they, they are. I've, I've heard that for a while. I, I did not realize this until very recently. But this it's, one has is being done by Hollywood, so maybe better. May, it, I was going to say maybe worse. It's really hard for me to imagine worse. It could be bad <laughs> in a very different way, but it's hard for me to imagine worse. I mean, G-Savior was above my expectations. Like, it, it came in above my expectations for it. Yeah. I had very low expectations, though, so... <laughs> We've already recorded our G-Savior episode, so I just want to make two... I was going to say corrections, but there are more amendments to the episode. Some stuff I found out afterwards by watching G-Savior content, I was specifically not watching because I did not want it to influence me. G-Savior does take place in the Universal Century. At one point, I think I say it doesn't. It takes place in, I want to say, the year 220. I think you said you didn't know. Yeah. So, like, over 100 years after Char was trying to drop his asteroid, proving Char was right, 
<laughs> you should have just dropped that right on them. I feel like they didn't make a lot of progress in that time period either. I mean, it, the Earth seems way less fucked, right? Yeah, that's fair. It's yeah, got no food. Apparently, but... they no longer build mobile suits to any kind of actual caliber. No. Nope. They seem to have gotten worse. Well, they stopped war for a while, presumably. I don't know. That's the excuse I'm coming up with. Also, I mentioned in the episode that Sam Vincent, the voice actor for Atherin Zala and Tiaria Erd, plays a random pilot. That's not quite true. He plays specifically the pilot that is trying to drive General Evilton and Mimi away at the end. Oh. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Oh. All right. So if you want to endure the pain of G-Savior, we will be back with that after this little break. All right. Thank you to everyone again who is a Patreon supporter of us or even just a listener. But we have to give an extra thanks right now to Slack on our Discord. I don't know that thanks is the appropriate term. I mean, we are being blackmailed. No, we got paid. There's a difference. Between, <laughs> there's a very different, big difference between being paid and blackmailed, Zach. At your job, they blackmail you to stop paying you if you don't do your job. Slack just paid us once. And by us, I do mean me. All the Patreon money goes to me. So Tyler and I are being blackmailed. I watched this on my own volition, honestly. I just happened to watch it this week. I knew week. there was something wrong with you. Yeah, well, I was like, hey. I mean, I've known you for years. I've already known that. Yeah, no, I just was like looking for a bootleg movie to watch on YouTube. And hey, look at what I found. I'm pretty sure this movie is in the public domain. <laughs> really? I don't know that for sure, but I do know that Rooster Teeth did a Mystery Science 3000 on it. And they are a legit company that pays for the movies. They do that too. Or those movies are in the public domain. Interesting. And uh, this one, the channel that I watched this on wasn't the Gundam Info channel or anything like that. So I would wager it either is in the public domain or nobody cares about it oh. enough to file DMCA strikes against it. Sunrise pretends this movie doesn't exist and they would have to stop doing that in order to file a claim. <laughs> so. Hey, I can't blame them. Yeah, mm. I did not realize until I think however long this opening is, five goddamn minutes or something, that this was... A live action movie. So yes, Slack paid us to watch and record an episode on G Savior, the first live action Gundam movie. Is it also the last live action Gundam? Are they movie? making a live action Gundam movie? They are currently producing one. Also, Ready Player One has an RX seventy eight in it, so it's more <laughs> of a Gundam movie than this. <laughs> Fair. I don't recommend anybody watch this movie, but it's not the worst Gundam movie I've watched this year. <laughs> I might even like it more than Build Divers. It's not the worst movie I've ever watched, but I wouldn't... Well, actually, I might recommend it because of the sheer stupid that is this movie. As, as a whole experience, like, there are moments in Build Divers that are definitely better than anything that happens in this movie. For sure. So, That's why I said I might. Yeah. Like Sarah? <laughs> yeah, just Sarah in general. Um, I wish Sarah was in this movie. <laughs> I don't. Why do you not like Sarah? No, she would be quiet, and she would be a better actor than anybody in the movie. <laughs> I told Slack what he paid us. I hope you get your money's worth out of this. And he was like, oh, based on your guys' reaction to Destiny, I'm sure I will. But <laughs> the thing about Destiny is it's the sequel to what might be my favorite piece of media in the world, so which means I already have a high level of investment in it. And Destiny is frustrating because it has high highs and incredibly frustrating lows. This movie is pretty consistent. I'll give it that. <laughs> In certain spots. No, I mean, it's consistent. It's just consistently mediocre. Yeah, mediocre to bad the entire time. 
But if I had watched this movie on 1999, this was a made-for-television movie paid for by Sunrise. It only actually aired in Japan with a Japanese dub, despite being filmed in Canada, where you film a made-for-TV movie. So they redubbed over this whole thing in Japanese? Yeah, you know, like most movies in Japan, which come from America slash Canada, and are dubbed in Japanese. No, it it makes sense. It's just weird that it was recorded in English. And then only ever released in Japan. But yeah, I guess the Sunrise never wanted to let it see the light of day. I think more than that, as we've talked about before, Sunrise is incredibly proud of Gundam, and that's slowly changing. But back in 1999, I bet they wanted a pretty penny for this movie. And if they had sold it for sci-fi original costs, I bet it would have showed up on some TV station. But I bet they were asking for more than was reasonable for this. This was all part of the 20th anniversary Gundam project, which also brought us Turner Gundam. I like Turner. It's the only good thing that came out of the 20th anniversary Gundam project. <laughs> the white mustache. It's pretty good. I like the Tournay design a lot. Uh, but what I was trying to get to, and I said this never showed up on American TV, is this came out when I was 11. If I had seen this movie when I was 11 before Gundam Wing, I think I would still be obsessed with Gundam. If I saw this as an 11-year-old, I think I would be obsessed with it. It holds together well enough. It's got enough good parts. Not that any of it is like objectively good, but 11-year-old Jeremy would have been like, ah, it's a mech. It's slashing a thing in two. It's got exactly the number of action scenes I want. And the plot isn't overly difficult to follow. Yeah, and they borrow from Star Wars as much as possible. Although, I get real Spaceballs vibes at the end rather than Star Wars (laughs) vibes. I think just because it's also knockoff Star Wars, but they missed the mark and just hit Spaceballs. No, because Spaceballs was self-aware. No, yeah, but they they hit the production quality of Spaceballs. Spaceballs hit Spaceballs on purpose. This was aiming for Star Wars and hit Spaceballs, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true enough. It's got some of that 90s-ass 3D animation. Which I have a softness for. Like, to be honest, I'd seen the CG in this already, but watching this movie, it actually looked a lot better than I expected it to. It doesn't look good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, it certainly does not look good. I'm actually making fun of it, but it's not the worst I've ever seen. It's certainly better than the old Mech Warriors. Like, my memory of it is extremely fuzzy, but I was trying to compare it to Spirits Within. The thing about Spirits Within is it's an entirely CGI movie, so that's kind of different. Yeah. All right, shall we go ahead and get into G-Savior then? If you want to watch along, you can Google it and find it. No one's going to say anything. I don't recommend that you do, but you can. (laughs) But you could. It's on YouTube. Yeah, just Google it. Google owns YouTube. They will say, here, watch this G-Savior. We're not sure why you want to, but here you go. (laughs) It's probably legal. I will say that the uh, version of it that I watched, I wasn't sure if this, like, it just looked bad or if it was just an extremely low quality upload. Probably both. Probably both. Oh, you can also buy this for $88 on Amazon.com. Why? $88? I considered it and saw the price and that it wouldn't get here till Saturday and was like, nope, not an option. Is it on VHS? No, it's on DVD. This was never on the hollowed VHS tape. It did come out in America in 2002 on DVD. So we start out in the void of space and get an extremely 90s PowerPoint title sequence. It's not terrible. It's exactly what I would expect. My problem with it is that it is exactly the font used by a Star Trek. I'm not sure which one. I'm pretty sure it's Next Generation. I actually kind of like the logo bit where the G-Savior comes in and shoots the word G-Savior. The problem with the G-Savior on that is that it's entirely gray. Yes. And I don't know what's wrong, but they spelled Savior wrong. No, they, they spelled it Canadian. Wrong. <laughs> the, the problem is it was produced in Canada, Zach. So they spelled, they still spelled it wrong. Also, it was 
produced for Japanese people, and they love incorrectly spelled English words. Don't you remember Gundam Seed? Okay, you got me there. Starring a bunch of people who are still working somehow. Uh, <laughs> two somewhat notable actors. The female lead is played by the person who voiced Lady Un in Gundam Wig. So, not her worst Gundam role. Also, according to the Gundam wiki, and I have no reason to believe it would lie to me, one of the generic pilots at the end is played by the guy who voiced Athrin Zala and Tiaria Erd. Really? Yes, which makes sense. They're Canadian, and why would they lie to me? All right, in the year 2045 AD, man was like, hey, let's build some space colonies. And then they're like, we should probably call this the Universal Century since we're pretending this is a Gundam movie. <laughs> Are these like universal century looking colonies or are these entirely different things? Because they don't look like the seed colonies. They look like Gundam colonies to me. I could not say, hey, these are clearly universal century colonies, but I could buy any Gundam series having these space colonies. The yeah. seed ones do look very particular. Fair enough. They're big and they're spinning. That's all I want out of them. Yeah. Anyway, it's Gundam. So there's political strife and there's one side called Gaia. It's going to be very confusing because we're about to cut to Earth and not Gaia. <laughs> uh, also, Gaia is side eight in case you are a Gundam nerd and care about sides. But I don't know anyone who is, and I don't know why we're pretending this is the universal century when clearly it isn't. <laughs> oh, man. That is the super generic as like Earth model. Uh, yeah, we, we get a terrible zoom in. From space onto Earth over a super dramatic guy narrating how Side 8 might be useful soon. And then we cut to the ocean, but we see plants, which makes it seem like a forest, but it's the ocean. So we're in the Atlantic Ocean, Deep Face Trench, Hydrogen Sea Lab. So Sea Lab 2021. I looked up just because I was curious. I'm like, I don't remember any trenches being in the Atlantic. So I looked up to see if there is a Deep Face Trench. There is not. This was caused by, uh, what year did we say it was? 2045? No, that's when they started the Universal Century. I don't know if we ever know what year it is. Okay. Interesting. I just assumed it was that year, but I guess we're, we're up to eight colonies now, so... At least. They had to dig something out of the ocean to build the colony, so... Yeah, no, it's the deep face. Uh, so we get very blurry pictures of this base, and we sort of zoom out from it underwater. It's very blurry. And see, hey, it's a mecha. I hesitate to call it a mobile suit. It is a machine walking around on the bottom of the ocean. It's got crab pincers, which are Tyler's favorite. They are. I would have been way happier if this was the G-Savior. It's got multiple eyes. It's got the stupid crab pincers. So anyway, he's like, hey, I'm going to harvest them. Cut inside to our protagonist, Mark Cuban. I mean, Mark Kieran. He's a... Uh, the genericest, pastiest white action hero for a sci-fi movie you've ever seen. No, he's not quite that generic because he has black hair, not brown hair. I think that's just because in the future, everybody has black hair. Except for his blonde girlfriend. But no brown hair is what I meant. Everyone who has dark hair has. You can have you can be blonde, soulless, or soulless. Uh, black. <laughs> that's the option, only options. There is no hair dye in this future because apparently they never watched an anime. <laughs> so anyway, he's talking on someone who's like, Hey, good job. Go ahead. Commence the harvest. And we see some characters who seem like they're going to be important characters for this movie because they are Mark's friends, but they are not. Yeah, and no, they, they, they just they... drop off the face of the earth later. Well, I mean, I, I watching this, one of my first thoughts, okay, these guys are going to be important for one thing. And number two, this is incredibly professional. The dude is underwater under, you know, miles worth of water. And this dude's got his feet kicking up eating his lunch. Yeah. Can we talk about the tone of this movie for a second? And I think it's mostly Mark. But he's got that, like, 
generic 90s testosterone <laughs> energy where he just makes fun of everything that's happening and we're supposed to be on his side when he's just an asshole. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on the situation you're in. Because like right here where you're messing with your friends, that's one thing. But when you're just being a dick... A lot of this movie is jokes, but I don't remember ever laughing with this movie. I yes, I, I yeah, I, I <laughs> that is never the tone really of this movie. Is it wants so desperately for you to chuckle at it? But well, it doesn't it want you to chuckle. It wants you to outright laugh. Are you sure? Are I'm you pretty sure? sure? I don't think they ever told a joke that I was like, oh yeah, I could see ni- in the nineties that being funny. So anyway, his controller guy is like, hey, he kicked, he knocks over a hula girl. And right grabs under, his lunch. Right underneath his fuzzy dice. Anyway, they start picking something up on what appears to be radar, but must be sonar, right? Well, they're, they, they're say ra- they say it's radar, that we had something for a brief moment. So I think it actually is radar. I don't know why you're running radar underwater or how you're managing that. Radar works underwater. Sonar is cheaper and easier and probably more reliable, but <laughs> radar works underwater. So anyway, this definitely not a Zagok. What are they harvesting exactly? Hydrogen. <laughs> they're harvesting water jets and food. But they're like, yeah, we got a good crop out here. But they're busy looking at the radar. Yeah, something's going on. I think we actually get to see that they have like two unknowns coming in or something. Mark is oblivious to this. It's a little weird to me that they only seem to have the one worker mobile suit. Look, mobile suits are expensive, Zach. Also, they will just call it a suit until the end of the movie, and that frustrates me to no end. Well, mobile suits are the things that define military models versus civilian. Yeah, but he'll just call them suits. He'll be like, yeah, I was in a suit, and I let this guy die. Not like the tuxedo I was wearing earlier, though. So they're like, hey, Mark, do you see anything weird? And he's like, nah, I don't. They're like, well, we I'm got under, something on radar. I'm underwater, you know, miles worth of water. There's no light down here. But then he gets hit by a shockwave. It's very Star Trek. I did not think Mark was going to be the main character of this movie. You thought he was going to die? I assumed he was going to die. Yeah. I kind of thought that might be the case, too. Like, I was like, all right, well, that guy's dead. So one of these other characters is going to be the main character. Because this dude is way too old, for one thing, to be a Gundam protagonist. I said that at the beginning that I think this movie has the right number of action scenes. But I really would have loved one at the start of this movie to show us what we're going to get. I mean, I guess if it looks this bad, don't show it at the beginning. <laughs> Keep it concealed so people will stick around. And I don't really expect act- uh, sci-fi original movies to begin well, but this is not a great action scene we get at the start. I don't think it's intended to be an action scene. I think it's supposed to be a tense scene, but I don't think it's supposed to be an action scene. It turns out none of this matters really, though. No, you're right. It doesn't. This is all entirely superfluous to the plot, other than introducing us to Mark. Yeah, it's showing us that Mark is a competent pilot with a heart of valuable metal. Not really gold, necessarily, but... Sterling silver. Yeah. No, no, that's pyrite. So, like, hey, Mark, uh, so one of the things that hit was a suit. Not a mobile suit, just a suit. (laughs) And the pilot is transmuting over the radio. And we see the suit just kind of falling. And (laughs) the guy's just like, someone, please help me. I hope someone is underwater yeah. here to save me. <laughs> Please, somebody, can you help me? Can you hear me? It's a good thing that your mobile suit, presumably built for other than the huge pressures that depth is able to survive this. And he's like, hey, I can hear you, but I can't rescue you. I'm not equipped. He's like, oh, I'm running out of air, though. I need to rescue right away. I mean, at the same time, I, I did think of that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not equipped for rescue. I don't know what you expect me to do. 
I don't have anything to do to help you. Anyway, the people back at the base got like a ticker tape confirmation that (laughs) he's a military guy who just survived re-entry somehow. But the suit's breaking apart. You can tell by how much the guy in the suit is actually moving himself around and the suit is not actually shaking around him. And there's water dripping on him. Although it looks like it's coming from inside the helmet. It does, yeah. It looks like it's just condensation from his breath or something. So Mark is like, try to stay calm. Meanwhile, back on the bridge, his two friends are like, Mark's not going to risk it. And his other friend's like, he's totally going to risk it. I'll bet you my algae bar. (laughs) (laughs) So of course Mark does it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a movie. I feel like we would still have a movie. We would. This doesn't matter. I mean, it kind of does because he becomes super famous for two minutes because of this. Anyway, he goes to rescue the guy. There's a lot of techno babble about, like, basically he's trying to convince the pilot of the suit to eject, and there's a lot of the guy being like, what? You're crazy. I can't eject for reasons. I can't jettison the thrusters that I can't use anyway. Well, why would I do that? You want me to help you or not? So eventually the guy ejects. It's a pretty decent scene. I'm going to attempt coupling, by which I mean grabbing you with my hand. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the ones where, like, this whole scene, though, probably because... Like, just the way water works and the fact that I'm a huge freaking nerd. My immediate thought was that is not how that would work. And didn't he only still have 30 seconds worth of air left? Like, that doesn't change because you've been grabbed by somebody else. You are right. He does not magically get air because he's now in Mark's hand. No, that's a prestige skill Mark Mark has. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say he can eject air through the fingers of the suit. It's okay. The guy will just pass out, but he won't die. And then it just cuts immediately back to the underwater lab. Also, the Rig. entire bridge cheers for him when he catches the guy. Yeah, this when we find out Mark's backstory, this should be like an incredible moment for him as a person because this is a thing he's failed to do in the past, but he just treats it like it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's like this happens all the time around here. Apparently, his friends are the only two people going to greet him after this whole thing. Everybody else is like, dude, who cares? This happens all the time, remember? It is Tuesday. <laughs> we actually get to see a mobile suit gantry. That's kind of neat. We get see it. Deflooding? There's got to be a better word for that. But <laughs> we see the way the airlock works, which is kind of cool. The water, the CGI water looks bad, but I appreciate the effort. And then we get this weird fade to Mark looking at the guy as they are giving him air, and he'd be like, I don't know how to thank you. He's like, you just did. I'm suit man. So they bring him to the med bay, presumably. He's on a stretcher. But then the Imperials show <laughs> up. Yeah, the, the Imperials invade this rig. Like, like, like the, someone was like, oh, wait, hang on. We don't have a means of actually getting this connected to the plot. So uh, we're going to skip points E, G, F, and H. Yeah, the way they cut is they have Mark look over and then down the hallway, you just have Nazis with machine guns marching <laughs> towards them two by two. Also, alarms are going off for no apparent reason. Mark's like, ah, oh, the welcoming committee. A simple thank you would have sufficed. Laugh. Laugh, damn you. I love this person. (laughs) There's this person that just kind of like jumps in front of him and then like kind of fast walks away from me. (laughs) They look like they're like, oh shit, I missed my cue. I'm not supposed to be in this shot. And they left them in there. So they're not Nazis. They're mobile infantry. We should know this by now. Who have now taken over the rig's bridge. Yes. And Mark shows up to make a joke about how checkout time was 11. That's a funny reference, right? What is that supposed to be a reference? I don't to? know. Okay. <laughs> he just says it like they're supposed to know. But anyway, Jack is here. 
our antagonist who knows Mark, and he's like, they don't move until I say the word. Unlike some of my former soldiers' exposition. Yeah, because we needed to tell you that and give you this relationship. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense, but at the same time, like, this dude is stupidly evil. Yes, he is. But he's like, hey, didn't you bring a few too many guns for a search and rescue? And he's like, not that I have to tell you anything, but intruders have invaded your base. And he's like, why do you, how did you figure, what? (laughs) Why do you know that? How do you know that? It is a very good question because the infiltrators have invaded your base. Okay. If you know that. Why don't we know that? Why don't we know that? And why don't you know where they are? Yeah. Because apparently you're just psychically detecting them. How did they know that well enough in advance to get here in time before the intruders actually get onto the base? They're not. That's important to note. They're not actually in the base yet. Well, they penetrated the perimeter, whatever that means. To be fair, we will know that they know about this, and the intruders came from space, so they had to have presumably gotten here somewhere. So I can kind of buy it, but it is weird for the military to show up and say, hey, there are intruders on your base, or there are about to be. Well, especially because we don't actually know the relationship of this rig to everything else. I think based on previous things, it's not a military base. No, it's not. Well, Well, we do know that they're all wearing Hydrogen branded jumpsuits. Anyway, we see some people in wetsuits show up like they're the Wetworks G.I. Joe, just coming in here, and the power goes out as they do. For reasons that don't make... It's actually way against their interest for the power to go out when they get on the base No, like but this. see, they have flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're it's all no- good. <laughs> yeah, none of this plan makes any sense once you know what their motive is. Well, it also raises... My, my question is, what was it doing here? Like, this whole thing is super important. What was it doing on this random rig in the middle of the Atlantic? No, I'm okay with that. There was a doctor doing some research. Yeah, That's we, fine. We will find out that the doctor on this rig was the one doing the research, so it kind of makes sense. This is probably where he was doing it. I must have missed that. I thought the guy that gets shot was that dude. No, he's already dead when the movie starts. Yeah. Well, like all good Gundam scientists. No, the guy who gets shot in this scene is Rusty. It looks like the power was cut off manually. Like, oh, it looks like they didn't want to trip the alarm. You know, unlike cutting the power. Although I guess if you didn't know there were intruders already because the Nazis told you, you might think it was an accident. Although the alarms were going off already well, because of the military being well, if there. If it was that obvious that it was a, that it was manually cut off, just normally somebody doing their job would probably notice, hey, somebody manually killed our power. So Mark looks at the security cameras and does some technical babble, and Jack's like, do you know where they are? And he's like, I don't. And he's like, well, get out of my way then! And his friends are like, oh, Mark totally knows. Like, yep, totes. This whole scene doesn't make any sense because, like, I'm going to have my guys who don't know this system whatsoever take over and not let the people who actually know how all of this crap works. Well, that's because Jack is extremely power hungry. Um, oh, yeah. I, I did use the phrase many, stupidly many t- evil earlier. He is extremely dumb evil. And to be fair, Mark does know and is not telling him something he may suspect as someone who hates Mark. <laughs> he hates Mark and Mark hates him. So that, that's a personal problem. It also does not make sense to not put people who work here on these terminals. So Mark's like, okay, let's hang out until Jack has everything under control. I'm going to extremely subtly and slowly leave this shot. Nothing suspicious at all. And that's when the friend says he knows where they are. It feels I, like you could have brought your friends. <laughs> no. Well, this whole thing also is like you got the mobile infantry patrolling the corridors and this guy pops out and it, you'd think they'd have it on lockdown and be like, okay. Everybody go to 
these areas so that we can keep track of you. And this guy just walks past the mobile infantry. It's like, oh, he's this is this guy. He's fine. Yeah, they're like, oh, this is Mark Cuban. He's fine. He can be here. As you know, no one below security level three is allowed in here. You know what? That security level never comes up again. I don't know why they mentioned it. <laughs> It's very Oh, they're awkward. in the experimental module <laughs> that is labeled experimental module. Hmm. Nobody thought to go there. Also, I like that he swipes the key card and the door, like, kind of opens and is like, eh, I don't feel like it today. Yeah, he does it multiple times. It, like, turns green to open but then shuts, which I think is supposed to indicate that somebody is manually closing it on the other side, but... That is way funnier it, to me if oh, someone's just standing there closing. pushing the button. <laughs> yeah, like like an elevator. He keeps trying to open it, and they keep... <laughs> but we go to the other side, and we know there were only four people in there, and they're all doing something else. Yeah, they did it remotely with hacking. So he pulls out a screwdriver to pop this light thing off. So woman in wetsuit is like, okay, they got to know we're here. We got to get it. As she looks through a thridge at some science vials. Cut back to Mark taking the thing off the card reader off of the door. And I feel like there's not nearly enough wires on that box. But then Jack and the Imperial show up to pull him physically off it and use an evil Imperial PDA to open it. <laughs> but the people in wetsuits have what they needed and are like, okay, let's go. Well, not quite. They're bailing before they found what they need because uh, science. So the, la- I'm sorry, scuba lady is hanging around for a bit. The the mobile infantry enter and immediately start shooting everything for <laughs> some reason. It's a good thing there was nothing valuable that you were trying to find in there. Well, you see, as evil infantry, they have advantage if they shoot without asking questions. Anyway, a woman, a black woman, is like, "Yeah, hey, don't shoot. I surrender." And then Jack is like, "I told you to shoot her. I gave the order." Yeah, let's kill our only witness. It's let's fine. Kill, yeah, let's kill this prisoner who, by the way, is unarmed. Unarmed, has surrendered, is the only person who knows what's going on. Anyway, they are slow at shooting first and asking questions later, so Mark manages to jump in front of her and point out that they should not just shoot them. As she uh, lowers herself down to see her dead friend Rusty. And so Jack's like, fine, arrest her. Then it does a fade out of Jack walking up to Mark. Cuts and then to the, the rig, and then it's just like, smash cut to dude in flight suit in distress it looks like ben affleck is about to die in armageddon <laughs> i was to say every time he flashes back to this i get uh <laughs> this editing is so bad i uh get major uh airplane vibes where the main character is having flashbacks to all of his stupid <laughs> flying machines failing uh airplane's a good movie yes it is better than this we should watch airplane and space balls instead as a double feature <laughs> anyway Mark wakes up in his bed in half a suit. Yeah, I thought this was like a flashback because it's not very clear what the hell is happening. Cut to his girlfriend comes out asking him if he's dressed and she doesn't want to be late while she's still wearing a bathrobe and very little else. Well, she knows he takes a lot longer to get dressed than she does. He takes naps in the middle of getting dressed <laughs> frequently. I guess you are right because she says, hey, that's more reason you should move in with me. But the two of them are like, and what, did she come over? I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense if they're going to a party together, but. I assumed that this was her place for some reason. I kind of did too. I, I guess I did too. So did he come over and fall asleep on her couch undressed? Did he come over not dressed though? No, he came over in his hydrogen jacket. Anyway, they're supposed to go to some political function and I think he's like, I would prefer to stay at home and get some takeout. And she's like, but political maneuvering. And he's like, fine, I guess. So anyway, let's sit down and watch TV for a little bit, I guess. 
Well, Let's I watch mean, the Exposition News Network, ENN. Anyway, the exposition reporter is like, starvation is a problem, and experts say it's going to get worse. President Hawk being pressured to use military force to take over the colonies, and that will help end world hunger? I think because they're farming colonies in space, that doesn't seem very efficient. And she's like, yeah, let's just go to the party for a couple hours. He's weirdly into this broadcast. Yeah, she does a lot of sex at him. She wants to be in the special task force, don't we all? Strategy and planning. Yeah. And uh, some sort of political thing. That's her goal, I guess. It's never mentioned again. It's mentioned one more time. It is, yes, you're right. We never get any explanation on it. Anyway, we find out he has been invited to the president's ball because he's a hero who saved guy who crashed in the ocean. He saves this one dude and apparently becomes a hero. I'm not sure that's necessarily how that works. To be fair, I can see if somebody, like in the weird situation where a civilian saved a military soldier who is way off course from underwater doom, I could see them getting an invite to the White House. He's also, he knows like the general, whatever that guy's rank is when we meet him. It is general. Uh, um, And uh, Colonel Jack asks. They all know him, even though he's like a, he was under Jack, so he's less than a colonel. And... But everyone liked him. I thought better. they established he was a lieutenant, or maybe I'm I'm adding that in you, there. You might be right. I don't know. Anyway, the news is like, hey, and then Mark saved Lieutenant Holloway, and hit this freak accident at the hydrogenic lab. I love the picture <laughs> of Mark in his Nazi <laughs> he uniform, stoned. You know, no, not given, stoned. I guess hungover. Given the production budget of this movie, he might have been when they took that picture. <laughs> also, he helped capture a rebel in a non-related incident, and his girlfriend's like, "You didn't tell me that." He's like, "Yeah, it's news to me." Yeah, if you can you imagine a civilian both saving a NASA astronaut and capturing Osama bin Laden in the same day? <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess that might have uh, helped you out a little bit. And they're like, anyway, they upgraded the security of the rig to Alpha 2. And Mark's like, Alpha 2? Why the hell would they do that? It doesn't matter because we never go back to that rig again. S- Congress of Settlement Nations. Yeah, that's consent. <laughs> <laughs> You have to give it before sex. Uh, anyway, the Congress of Settlement Nation is guarded by two mobile suits. What is wrong with these mobile suits? Like, they're, they are got super long legs, but their torsos are very... Uh. That's all of the mobile suits in this movie. I mean, it's a design choice. I actually like the designs of these fairly well. They look awful in the CGI, but these are incredibly gin-like to me. Yeah, I was, we looked up the name of them earlier. They're Bagus? Yes. I think they're boogers. They're boogers or boogers. <laughs> the movie doesn't tell us. Electric so. boogaloo. I actually like the design fairly well, but Zach's absolutely right. I really noticed it on the G-Savers. The legs are super long, and the torso is compact, and it's very weird. I think it was the... It looks like they wanted to make sure they had a nice thigh gap in case they needed a junk piece to put in there. <laughs> it, it reminds me a little bit of the... I think it was the original artwork for the Vixen, or the actually the mini that came out of it. Because the guy who actually did the casting for the mini apparently didn't really understand perspective. So the mini has these absolutely huge legs because the view on the on the picture that they ah. showed is looking up at it. These look very gin-like to me. They don't have the wings, so they aren't nearly as cool. But I can definitely see the same guy making the gin two years later. And I think they look pretty decent. Yeah, that- especially the concept art that we saw looked a lot better. So it's a nice fancy party. It's literally the room from Spy Party. Also, look at these evil people. Look at those people who just walked past. They're unimportant to the plot. You got Cruella goddamn DeVille on screen, and she does not matter to this plot. 
I do wonder at the number of people that are actually like actual military dudes in this party. Like I can understand guards, but they their guys are just like at the staircase with a heavy gun. Yeah, well, Zach, that's to show you that the future is fucked. Anyway, his girlfriend's like, have some champagne, have it's fun. bright green champagne for some reason, also. It's space champagne. So anyway, an asshole asked the, the president, so the fact that we're not invading every nation, aren't you afraid that makes us look weak? But specifically, he uses the word impotent, and the president's like, I've never been impotent in my life, ha ha, penis joke. <laughs> and Mark is like, oh god, I did not get enough champagne for this. <laughs> This is nowhere near strong enough for this. Well, he later says, like, oh, is that my foot in your mouth, Jack? A sentence no one would say, laugh, laugh, damn you, audience. While he's not talking to it, he's, like, standing out of earshot. I don't... His girlfriend is like, did you say something to me, honey? He's like, no. So anyway, General Evilton shows up (laughs) and is like, we're ready for your speech, President. We've secured the perimeter, made sure there are no rebels going to attack you. Here at this fine party... Where we are serving our green champagne. But then Jack notices Mark, and they start having a pissing contest. Jack is like, oh, it's a pity you missed the president. I'm sure he would have loved to hear about how your food is failing. And Mark is like, my food is fine. It's doing great. It's be- I have more food than you have guns. <laughs> okay, so for the next two and a half, three minutes, we get this shot of the camera just <laughs> spinning <laughs> around <laughs> them. That's a good trick. I <laughs> I literally got dizzy by the end of this scene, just, like, keeping up with... I don't know why they chose to do this. Like, you don't need to constantly be spinning the camera around like this, because it will make people dizzy. And it's not at a consistent pace, and it keeps, like, shaking a little bit. Like, it's just a guy holding a camera. It's not on a tripod or anything. Look, the DOP didn't have anything to do this movie. So he's like, let me try something in one scene. And it was a failure. (laughs) What I want to bring up, we get a lot of exposition about how they don't have enough crop yields from his underwater farming. What position do we think Mark has within the underwater farming company? Because he seems to be pretty high up, right? I kind of assumed that he was the leader of that particular farming area. I assume he's CAO, Chief Action Officer. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I assumed at first, oh, he's an ex-mobile suit pilot. So they have this like underwater mobile suit and they hired him to pilot it. That makes perfect sense. It's a way to transfer his skills into the civilian sector. But because he's the only character from there that matters, he seems to be in charge of it slash co-owner. Especially because he keeps referring back to it as my rig. So did he own it? Maybe he's just irrationally possessive of it all. But, well, like, um, when I worked at Kroger, I called it my store, right? Yeah. So that's perfectly, that doesn't give us any information. Who knows? The, I, the answer is, it doesn't matter because we never talk about hydrogen ever again. No, it gets mentioned again. Yes, it does. Don't worry. We don't get any information about it. Yeah. Do we mention it again? Yes. Aside from the fact that Dr. Dead by the beginning of this movie... No, Colonel Jackass uh, is like, it's going to be taken over by the federal government for- Yeah, I completely forgot about that. That happens later. So his girlfriend is like, hey, are you out of drink? As she can see his giant green flute of champagne. So he downs it and is like, yes, I am. Because you're supposed to like this guy? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) He then continues to uh, harass Jack. Yeah, they continue to deck measure where he's like, why is my rig Alpha 2 security clearance, huh, Jack? I didn't know you were such a good fiction writer. And he's like, didn't the military call you a hero and tell all the news networks to praise you? You've gotten too jaded since you left the military. Anyway, then he leans into his girlfriend. He's like, better tell your boy to watch himself. Although it looks like he should be flirting with her. Like the body language is like, I have just flirted with your girlfriend to make you angry. But that's not not what what he did at all. (laughs) 
He wasn't like, oh, you better put your boy on a leash and then we can have a threesome. <laughs> so anyway, she's mad at him for taking the bait for dick measuring. I mean, to be fair, I would also be mad at him if he was my boyfriend, but... Yeah, well, she's well, also I there think... to try to gain some political clout and, like, try to get on the special task force or whatever, and I'm sure Mark being a dumbass is not helping her odds. Well, I mean, but I, she's, if, if, if we... a dumbass to a person he knows who doesn't like him. Like, do we think Jack is appointing the members of the special task force? Because she's screwed just from who she's dating, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, probably not. What Jack and Mark need to do is just go out and have a nice, hey, fuck, and then they'll be fine. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a shonen fist fight, but I do like your idea more. <laughs> They're too old for a shonen fist oh, fight. Yeah, you're right. He is like 50. He's like lock on Stratos age. <laughs> Enter General Evilton. So apparently Mark's behavior reflects on her career. I'm not sure how that worked. For a political career, it does. Yeah. General Gar, no. I think you mean General Gar, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the general comes up to Mark and is like, oh, Mark, do you have any idea what the rebels were doing? Which kind of makes sense that he would ask him. But then he's like, I want you to do something about this, which makes no sense because as we will find out, he is General Evilton. But at this point, I'm like, oh, is he the reasonable general who's going to die? Because it seems like he's telling Mark, like, hey, you should be doing something. But this will ruin all of his plans, this action. And he must know the sort of person Mark is. Yeah, I kind of thought that this guy was supposed to be the reasonable one that was going to be assassinated by Colonel Jackass. Yeah, but no, he's just bad at being evil. Or maybe he's like, ah, oh, Mark will try to rescue her and then we'll have an excuse to shoot them. But but even then, it doesn't seem like he actually wants to shoot Mark. Yeah. At I least early he, on. It seems like he legit just wants information out of it. Like, this movie has a real big problem with consistent characters. Character and... motivation in particular. Yeah. So here's going to be my explanation for the general's problem. He just has early stage dementia here <laughs> that goes crazy <laughs> earlier on as, as the movie goes on. I do love, there's an entire crowd behind them, and they're, like, all walking in a circle around whatever building they're in. But then they just keep stopping in the middle of the flow of traffic, like goddamn assholes, and everyone just has to walk around them. Except, Tyler, everybody knows that these guys are the main characters. That's why they have a camera following them around. Anyway, Mark is like, yeah, Jack tried to kill the prisoner. And he's like, oh, I'm always telling that boy he needs to tone it down a bit if he wants to make a career out of this. He's a lieutenant colonel. I feel like at that point you're pretty careered. Unless is that he a lieutenant some... colonel? I thought it was a full bird colonel. Either way, pretty careered. Yeah, that that's pretty far up there. I have a cousin who is a lieutenant colonel, and he has been in the military for all of my life. Yeah, I think I have an uncle who's a full bird. Kaka. Anyways, she, he's like, well, maybe that's why the prisoner isn't talking. Why don't you go talk to her, Mark? That will probably go well. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's send this civilian to go talk to our prisoner. Yeah, like, if this is a scheme on his part, it's a bad scheme, but that kind of makes sense. It just doesn't make any sense as a scheme. Yeah, which is why I thought, oh, he's general reasonable, and he's like, oh, I clearly am in charge of the Nazis. They won't get anything out. I should send main character dude. That might work. Also, how does Mark know this general? But we don't have time for that. Yeah, it's never established. I'm pretty sure that was Colonel Jackass that just walked past and uh, his girlfriend <laughs> Yep, playing the part of extras there. I feel like they made eye contact with the cameras they would buy, though, so... Mimi is his girlfriend's name. I had a joke lined up about Mimi from Digimon for a while, but Mimi from Digimon would not do anything that this asshole has done. (laughs) So his girlfriend's like, hey, what was that about? And he's like, yeah, something's come up. I'll uh, be right back. And she's like, you'll miss the president's address. And he's like, oh, no, that would be awful. 
And she's like, ah, oh, I'll never get on the special task force if my boyfriend isn't with me when I listen to the president's address. <laughs> well, obviously. I mean, it, it's quite clear that this society revolves entirely around the connection for a woman. It revolves entirely around her connection to a man. Oh, I was going to say connection to the military, because there's military goddamn everywhere in this But facility. he's not connected to the military anymore. Specifically, he was kicked out of it. Or but actually but he's resigned, still, but... He, I was going to say, he's still got good enough terms that he's friends with President, or I'm sorry, General Evelton, so. So Mark runs into a room that is 90% fans. He's got ceiling fans, it's got wall fans, it looks like my room in summer. <laughs> and also a fanboy of Mark. <laughs> well, we have private dead meat here. And Mark's like, I came to interview the intruder from the hydrogen ring. And he's like, uh, sorry, sir. She's classified maximum. Maximum only. Only uh, CGS 2 or higher can get in. And he's like, but you recognize me, don't you, soldier? And he's like, yeah. He's like, so you realize it's only a matter of time before the general gives me a clearance. And he's like, sorry, man, that's the rules. And he's like, look, I can go get the general's authorization. And, and the, the guy comes back, with, I have orders. And Mark's like, okay, I understand. And right there and then, he has to throw a pretty high persuasion skill to get through this. You must roll a 20 because he turns around to leave and the guy's like, wait, I've changed my mind. Uh, I will disregard my orders and let you in. You look like a main character. This isn't going to get me shot in the head by Colonel <laughs> Jackass. That's the uh, thing that actually persuaded him is that he introduced himself by his first name. And the guy's like, ooh, first name. Not everyone around here has one of those. Clearly, you're a main character. And he also, he doesn't just let him in. He's like, oh, I can upgrade your security right now. I, a private, have maximum security. Well, I mean, it would make some sense, but it would probably not be this random dude at the facility who had access to this. It's like, anyway, second door on your right. <laughs> Don't go to the third door. That's the bathroom. As the concessions are on the left. Enjoy your movie, sir. And so he just walks in and like... <laughs> <laughs> starts asking who are you what were you doing where are the drugs <laughs> yeah, I love the rolling chairs <laughs> yeah they have office chairs yes <laughs> that's what you want in your prison right in your interrogation room which is an awfully big room so Cynthia who is the prisoner is just ignoring him relaxing in her rolly chair and needs to roll so he can pull it back like that and he's like please start answering my questions and she's like mm. <laughs> no so he's like, oh, fine, I'll leave. That worked with the private. <laughs> okay, so apparently, like, number one, this happened yesterday. Uh, and apparently, like, he just has some kind of bonus to his persuasion checks when he's walking away from someone. When he's about to leave. Well, you know, see, it's an ability you can use that gives you advantage on your persuasion check. But if you fail, you have to leave the scene. It's very Dungeon World. So he's like, if I hadn't intervened, you'd be dead. And she's like, so you're not one of them? You were literally there. <laughs> Did you see mobile infantry armor on me? To no. To be fair, a lot was going on. She was being shot at. It was dark. It was, yeah, they cut the power for some reason. <laughs> and he's like, I'm a former one of them. My name's Mark. Mark Curran. And she's like, I'm Dr. Cynthia Graves. Give me back my cigar. <laughs> <laughs> he immediately starts basically flirting with her. Yes. And he, she's like, I'm a technical engineer on Gaia. And he's like, okay, let's say I believe you. What were you doing in the ocean on my rig? And he's, she's like, Dr. Reba invited us. And he's like, really? Was that before or after he resigned last month? And she's like, he never resigned. They he was murdered. He was removed. I was going to say they threw him a really nice going away party. No, that would be really funny if someone said, came back with something. He was removed. He was murdered. 
Uh, no, he literally retired. I was at the party. Like, I've gotten postcards every week since he left. So he's like, I'm not a great fan of conspiracy theories, so you might want to start making sense. I am going to join the Illuminati later in this movie, but... <laughs> they actually call themselves the... And no one comments on it. It's just the Illuminati. No one says anything. It makes sense, though, because it's a bad joke about the, the magic juice. So he starts to leave again. But she's like, well, I bet they didn't even appoint a replacement for him. And he's like, wait a minute, they didn't. Suddenly, I believe her. That's very suspicious, I guess. I mean, if we knew what they were supposed to be doing, that would make sense. I mean, otherwise, it's just like, yeah, they didn't give me a replacement dude, and that's all. And really, who cares? They don't always replace people immediately. Somebody probably was having to do the dude's job. Because that's how cost-cutting works. So she's like, well, when Congress mandated all agricultural settlements had to double their output, obviously the pressure was on. So Dr. Reba and I started collabing, seeing if we could get the YouTube views up. Yeah, mandating double but, production from your fields. That's some Stalin-ass bullshit. That sounds like an evil empire thing to do. And he's like, but there was no results. And she's like, we don't know that because we never got the samples. He set some aside from me, and they're the ones I stole yesterday. And he's like, well, why did would either side want to kill him then? That sounds good for both of us. And she's like, I don't know. But if I can get to those samples, I can show you why I'm here. He's like, I can't just start dragging you around everywhere. I'm not that powerful. I can't do any of that. Then he does. No, the way way this game system works is you can persuade any NPC you want, but in exchange, the DM can later make any NPC persuade your character to do what they want. (laughs) It's a little bit like the Benny thing. You're like, if I give you this, you have to do this thing. Yeah, exactly. I like the take a Benny, leave a Benny system. (laughs) He gets up and is like, okay, let's go. I can take you to the evidence locker. I have security maximum so I can get in. (laughs) Thanks to this one guard. Who, I guess, isn't watching the camera on that room. Maybe there isn't one for some reason. Well, later they'll ask, hey, where is she? And he's like, oh, Mark took her into evidence. I guess that was fine. That's a good point. (laughs) Cut to the bathroom. Where Colonel Jackass and General Evelton are discussing the president's president's speech speech that we didn't hear. And they say nothing about it. And what the general says is he makes a piss poor commander in chief, but I can't help admiring the whole package if you know what I mean. Which I can only take is I am gay and into him. That is the only way I can take that. That is kind of <laughs> how Jack's face while this is happening too. He's like, I did not need to know about your sexual preference, sir. <laughs> and so it's like, no, Jack, this guy in rebel business, you have it under control, right? And he's like, you're positive. It's like, yes, sir. I want this job very bad. And of course, throughout this entire time, they are talking to each other in a mirror. Yeah, well. Because as we have already established, the only way the guy at the camera can do two-person conversations is by spinning the camera around them slowly. And wait just a second, we see one other guy leave the bathroom, which (laughs) means they were also not alone when this was happening. (laughs) So Mark takes Cynthia to the evidence room, still handcuffed at least, I guess. Well, he doesn't have the key. And for some reason, this evidence room has just a giant shelf of science chemicals. Well, it's mostly science chemicals. Most of the crimes in the future are science crimes. Okay, that makes sense. And they they took all the chemicals off of his rig. That's what they are. It's literally just his entire rig's supply of science juice. So they find it, and they're like, ah, cool. And she's like, where's the lab? And then there's dramatic music, and he hides her for a second before opening the door. It's like, yeah, we keep the lab right next to the evidence room. It's just a sliding (laughs) door between them. Well, yeah, I mean, you need it to be close enough for you to be able to run any kind of tests on whatever the hell you need. I will say, 
that's a little bit silly that the door is right there. But like this set actually doesn't look terrible. No. But you'll notice that the sets get increasingly low quality as the movie goes on. And I love that. (laughs) Well, they realize that that dollar wasn't going quite as far as it did in the beginning. So he's like, so what's this science chemical doing? She's like, you know, fireflies, that, but with heat, which double food. For reason. I don't understand how. Talky, talky, wordy, wordy. Yeah, no, there there was some techno babble. Um, Apparently he was able to produce an enzyme, but he couldn't catalyze it. And they produce a catalyzer, but they couldn't enzyme it. And then they got chocolate and their peanut butter and flashbangs. (laughs) (laughs) That's a spoiler, Tyler. Not yet. (laughs) And she's like, hey, this microscope told me that it works. Oh, not that it works, that they found the correct substance. And she's like, if I'm right, we can do a science and get food. And she's like, let me do, do some science real quick. Yep, roll the 20. I do like her line, which is, if it doesn't work, you just uh, helped a criminal escape their cell to do some science for nothing. So you know what? I just realized the reason why his buddies from the rig never show up again is because their players decided they didn't want to play those characters. <laughs> and well, they, they couldn't show up for a couple of sessions. And then they become the interns? Yes. <laughs> exactly. So Colonel Jackass shows up in the fan room where the private stands at attention. He brings two stormtroopers with him because of course he does. And he's like, I need to see the prisoner that we took. And he's like, uh, she's currently with Mark in the lab. He told me he was working with the general. On the, yeah, on the general's authority. And he's like, where did they go? Private. So Mark pours a science chemical into her science chemical and it turns into the thing that's in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Another oh, movie so we can that's watch what instead. that was. Yeah, it's bioluminescence for underwater farming, obviously. <laughs> Which is why they don't know what to do with it, because what it, like, what are they going to do with it? <laughs> and she's like, oh, three quarters of the Earth's surface is water. Do you know what this means? No, we don't, movie. <laughs> and she does not explain it. She's just like, okay, well, time to leave. I've, and he stuck his neck out far enough. He can't do anything more to help her. And he's like, I have to take you back to your cell. And she's like, fine, but I'm not going to leave this here. I don't trust it with anybody. He's like, give it to me. He's like, you are anybody. (laughs) Because he's already stuck his neck out enough, so he can't possibly help her anymore. So sticking his neck out just a little bit farther to take this vial instead. No, his neck is just already stuck out far enough that she can, like, strap the vial to his elongated giraffe neck that he is stuck out for her. And he's like, I know someone we can take this to, which I buy given his line of work, but that will never come up again. (laughs) Unless the person he had in mind is somebody that we met. Well, no, it turns out she has somebody that she can take it to, and it turns out it's a guy he knows anyway, because... No, it turns out it's the same person. Oh, yeah, they were actually just both going to go to him anyway. Yes. (laughs) That is how the Illuminati works. So he's like, okay, let's get you back to her cell. And then Jack and the Stormtroopers are there like hall monitors. And like, he's, what, what we have here. It, well, he's like, I have friends in high place. I, I presume he was intending to go to the general. Yeah. Which wouldn't have gone well, but he didn't know that. Back off, Jack. I just need to go talk to the general. And they turn their weapons into shooty mode. And he's like, I don't think so. And he's like, I'm not kidding around, Jack. And he reaches into his jacket to show him the glowy. And he's like, he's going for a weapon. Shoot him. He's going for his gun <laughs> and his suit. Thankfully, <laughs> the stormtroopers are terrible shots. They're stormtroopers. They start shooting above him after they've already hit the deck. Like it, It's not like they start shooting and they duck and you know that saves them. <laughs> It's that they hit the deck, and then they start shooting. Well, it was kind of on purpose. It turns out neither of these guys really wanted to kill them. They all think Jack's an asshole, so... So Anyway, they stop for a second. Cynthia reaches inside of Jack's coat, I guess? No, it's her, because she took the other two samples. Okay. And she throws them, which 
create a flashbang so they can escape. Of course, if there's a flashbang, you have to point your gun in the air and start shooting randomly. <laughs> well, so I mean, that's that's how it works. You've played Call of Duty. As soon as you get flashbanged, you start firing because it, that way you might hit hit the person who flashbanged you as they come charging you. Oh, crap. Oh, I'm sorry. Because we mentioned Gohan earlier. Solar Flare! <laughs> so they are in hot pursuit of Jack and his uh, new acquaintance as she snarks at him about his friends not being in high enough places. Are they just doing laps? It looks that way with the circular halls. So they duck into the uh, cafeteria morgue. Morgue. Uh, <laughs> it is the morgue. <laughs> it's definitely the morgue, as we'll find out in a minute. Anyway, they do a Star Wars and they go into the garbage chute. I do like the that corpse he... chute. Yeah, the corpse chute. That's where you just. Uh, as we'll find out, it's full of just bags of meat. <laughs> so, well, so clearly, because of famine that's been going on. You don't bury people anymore. They are repurposed as sustenance. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I love it. it is a morgue. Like we said, Jack comes in with his stormtroopers and he's like, looks around. He's like, where did they go? And he's like, aha, they must have hidden in the body bags. That's the only thing that could have happened. And he slowly unzips one and there's not a person in it. And he is so mad that he's wrong. He's like, this game is bullshit. This is the only solution. He's like, who is this chump? Check the other bags. <laughs> I like I like the little head shake. Yeah, just one of the it's other just, guards. It's so sassy the way he shakes his head. No, well, it's 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 the expression. Yeah. Anyway, cut to a dumpster full of meat bags. Uh, I think it's actually a freezer. Yeah, given that we can see their breath. Yeah. So Mark's like, "That's weird. We haven't triggered the alarms." And she's like, "Yeah, that's because they didn't want anyone to know. They're going to kill us the way they killed all of them." And you know. Maybe in the future, the world is better, but it doesn't seem that way so far. I feel like the prisoner tried to escape is a justifiable reason to shoot them if what you want to do is shoot them and cover it up. Yeah. Anyway, Mark's like, ah, I'm a reluctant hero. An hour ago, I was quite happy with my life. He did not seem that way, bro. Not only that, (laughs) you jumped into this whole saving the world thing pretty handily and pretty eagerly. He was very bored earlier. I mean, it was a very boring party. So we cut to Jack on the phone with the general where he is throwing all the shade on Mark, which again makes the general seem like the reasonable person and like Jack is trying to poison him against him. Mm-hmm. And the general is even like, why you, would Mark do something like that? You think he would throw away his entire career for the benefit of a dying rebel? What career is he referring to? This even more makes it feel like they're shooting the movie in order, doing a role-playing game to determine the plot. Because Jack is like, well, I don't know why he murdered this private in cold blood, but he did. Which Jack must have done, but we know the general is evil and on his side, so why does he need to frame him? Why did he shoot this guy also? (laughs) Because he's an evil jackass. What is accomplished? Because he has anger issues and they need to be resolved in one way or another. And this guy happened to be nearby and had a reason to justify his anger. Also, it turns out the general is on the phone while also having like an escort in his room. That never comes up again. Nope. <laughs> my, my, I, I initially was like, is this is this Mark's girlfriend here? Or? Yeah, I thought that too, but she no, doesn't. No, she's just some nope. random, random chick. Yep. So Mark and Cynthia run to an Air Force base. As you do. To use the payphone. I would like to point out that they're, like, hiding and sneaking around and stuff, and then they spend, like, fucking 30 minutes out in the open here. Remember payphones. Remember future payphones. <laughs> I love how it's a touch screen. That doesn't work properly. It, like, fades out every time he touches it. <laughs> so Mark calls his girlfriend. He's like, thank God, are you okay? What happened? He's like, I'm okay. And he's like, is it true that you killed a congressional guard? He's like, what? No. 
What what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, it's Jack. What what's what the hell Jack's told you? What what the, the Jackass doing? And he's like, oh no, it's all over the news. Yeah, just conveniently, the news is on in the background, so she just like turns her phone thing to I, su- it? I suppose if they said your significant other had shot somebody and was a fugitive on the run, you would probably be watching the news. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's just but convenient that the news was talking about it. That right got that out second. to the news really fast. Well, I can buy that in the same way that clearly the story about Mark underwater got out very fast in a conspiracy sort of way. I think it's intentional, but you are right. She's like, they say you helped a rebel escape and here comes the rebel. Yeah, just to show up on the screen with him. And she's like, Mark, they told me to take a leave of absence because my boyfriend saved a rebel. How could you do this to me? And like, what do these people have in common that makes them a relationship? Wanting to have sex with each other? Because I don't even really buy that. What pulled the two of them together? We don't really see anything that makes these two even seem remotely on the same page. And we will find out their values are completely opposite. Which makes you wonder how, like, it's implied they've been together for a while. Yeah. Because she is about to come help him try to escape with a refugee. Like, she's that committed to the relationship, but... Well, that's just because that's what the die she rolls for her character motivation popped up. He's like, I need your security pass. And she's like, where are you? He's like, at Air Force Base. So we have another weird fade cut. They're still on an Air Force Base. Apparently pretending to be squirrels as they run around this one container. And hey, these other two characters show up. Cynthia's friends get to be in the movie, but Mark's don't. How did they know to be here? Did she make a phone call at some point? They re-rolled as these characters. When the two friends turned to the d and And the group. GM forgot to justify how they got here. <laughs> and one of them's like, I know handcuffs. I can undo handcuffs. I do like that they're immediately distrustful of Mark, though, because they're like, we have no idea who this guy is. And Cynthia's like, it's all right, I want to bang him. I don't even think she does yet. I feel like there's no sexual chemistry between the two of them until suddenly there is. <laughs> I, I actually kind of agree with Jeremy, because That's at, at least beginning here, it seems like Mark is still trying to be, like, the, you know, relatively good boyfriend on the same side. Like, yeah, my, my, I've got a girlfriend and everything like that, until he just doesn't care anymore. Until he realizes they have no common values, and their relationship is built on nothing. <laughs> their relationship is built on the screenwriter. <laughs> And he's very condescending about their whole, like, coming down to earth to break into his rig. Because we're supposed to like this guy, and you like it when someone is condescending, right? That's everybody's favorite character trait. (laughs) That's why James Bond was so popular for so long. (laughs) And now General Evilton is now like, yes, I am the evil guy. See, look, me being evil. Anyway, get me a list of all of his friends, Jack, so we can interrogate them. And he's just like, like, oh, man, he even has more friends than me. What an asshole. (laughs) And he's like, well, we thought we would kidnap his girlfriend, but nobody was at her apartment. And she's like, why do I th- get the feeling that she's not out shopping? Because I'm condescending. Again, everyone's favorite character trait. Anyway, she shows up on the Air Force Base, which again, just shows a tremendous amount of commitment to this relationship. And she seems she's genuinely very ma- happy to see him. She's willing to help him commit treason? Yeah. Can, can we talk for a second about how people keep just showing up on this Air Force base? <laughs> it doesn't seem like they did a particular... The, the guards must be falling asleep at their posts. To be fair to this one, and only this one, she did come to bring her security pass, which they need to sneak into the Air Force base. Anyway, she even like went into the Hydrogen database, and she, she knows what's going on now. A couple of GameCube discs yeah. okay. worth of data. The project was apparently called Project CSUN. I mean, that's not a terrible name. Anyway, there's a mobile suit on this one Air Force of, one base. One of the interns is just, like, hanging out and is like, yeah, it's totally not like we're 
trying to hide on this Air Force base here. I'm just going to stand They're not, up though. Nowhere. They're not trying to hide. <laughs> They're just standing by a crate. Someone says, uh, someone's going to get killed here. I'm not impressed with these plants. Like, somebody already did get killed. <laughs> that was just Rusty. We don't talk about him. Atherin talks about Rusty all the time, actually. But... <laughs> So anyway, they're like, okay, now we can escape to space with the sample. And Mark's like, I'm coming with you. And Mimi's very reasonably, I feel like, why? <laughs> and he's like, because I'm the main character. And she's like, well, fine. I'm also coming with you because the audience is supposed to like me right now. That's going to change soon. But right now they're supposed to think I'm a reasonable and supportive girlfriend. Even though for most of the movie, I've just nagged you. Well, then she does have the reasonable idea of what the hell are we waiting for here? Just let's go. Let's get out of here. And we're like going to a fueling dock and it's full of mobile suits. You know, the way Mark walks in here makes it look like he's just walking back into from like, you know, he just had a smoke outside. Now he's coming back into the party. Yeah. So anyway, they don't steal a mobile suit, Joe. They steal a shuttle despite being in a mobile suit hangar. And this movie ostensibly being a Gundam movie. But I guess Gundam is nowhere in the word of the title. So honestly, in this case, <laughs> we have the blind security team go driving past. They can't take five people in a mobile suit. And presumably you can't fl- get a mobile suit into space. So there's a very nice matte painting of a shuttle they're going to steal. <laughs> anyway, Cynthia's friend is like, I'll drive. But Mark is like, oh, but I have all this experience driving these sorts of shuttles from my military days. You should let me so nothing bad happens. And he relents. He looks at Cynthia and is like, eh, that's not true. I just don't want to sit in the back. <laughs> Again, we're supposed to like this guy. And this is supposed to make us like him. I do believe he actually has experience piloting these, though, so... I think he, honestly, in this situation, I think he might just be joking yeah, about, I, I didn't want to sit in the back. Yeah, that, that came across as a joke to me. Also, uh, assistant's name is Dieter. This is only important because Dieter almost dies later. I just noticed... It comes across really badly because he, like, leans over to her in a very flirty way. Yeah, after he makes the guy go sit with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He does obviously know how to fly it, though, because he just started a bunch of stuff up. So this flight deck is like, hey, you're not allowed to take off just because you want to. Over. And then he makes a bad joke about having forgotten the keys. This doesn't matter at all because they apparently cannot shoot them down with mobile suits. Yeah, they don't even try to stop them. So 40 minutes into this Gundam movie, we are finally in space. This is one of the weirdest tracks. I love Love the stupid hairnets that they have to. <laughs> I mean, they're not helmets or anything like that. They're literally just like canvas hairnets to prevent your hair from getting at, yep. you know, everywhere. You don't want your hair to just be floating in zero G, do you? I mean, kind of. So as Jeremy said, now we are finally in space. Yeah, I was going to say the entire base is watching them take off and doing nothing about it. They don't have any, like, anti-air guns or mobile suits or scramble fighters. Are you kidding me? This is an Air Force base. Oh, wait, hang on. Something about that doesn't seem right. No, the Air Force doesn't need to defend against air things. Budget cuts. <laughs> <laughs> so, space. And like every other Gundam series, it cannot decide how gravity is supposed to work. Or not work at all. So we see General Evilton watching the video of Jack trying to murder Mark. Which, again, for a second, it looks with, like he's going to be like, Mark, Jack, what the fuck were you doing? But instead, with, he's just like, ah, oh, a flashbang. This technology cannot be allowed to get out. <laughs> notice that he's in a room with a bunch of suits of armor and swords. Yeah. Lots of swords. I was going to say, notice Boba Fett and the pirate in the background here, about to be giving orders to try to capture Mark alongside Jack. I also like that he's watching on his very futuristic, like, 18-inch CRT TV. They couldn't even spring for an LED panel for this. Well, it's because of all this 
CGI that went into making the shuttle flight here. So they had the side four, a.k.a. New Manhattan. You know, everybody's favorite side, side four. Yep. And just to uh, drive home that it's Manhattan, they start playing 90s hip hop in the background. It's very jarring in this movie about mobile suits. So on the Gundam wiki page for G-Savior, they have characters divided by faction. So you have the Gaians, you have the members of Consent, and then you have the Illuminati. And the two members of the Illuminati listed are Philip and Bartender. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Also, I maintain it should be the Bio-Illuminati. We know what they're doing. It's already a bad pun. So they go into a vaguely Moss Eisley-looking cantina. It's a pretty posh area. And then they meet Discount Tim Curry. Yeah, he's going to see the bartender, this character. (laughs) Uh, I was thinking David Bowie, but yeah, Yeah. you're definitely like more Tim Curry. Especially with that outfit, specifically. Yeah. Anyway, Mimi tries to order a margarita, and they keep telling her not to because the code word is to order something else. I don't even remember what it was. It's Philippe's special. She's trying to order a martini. Yeah, and they want the Philippe margarita. And he goes down for a not-at-all-concealed like submachine gun and everyone's like Mimi order the hint hint code word hint hint why didn't they tell her this before they got in here I don't probably because they didn't know whether it was going to be necessary well, it, like someone gave the code word and despite that she keeps trying to order a martini and apparently you need to make sh- everybody has to say the same thing despite the fact that she's clearly with this person that's given the code word so okay Okay, wait, no, what's what's the bartender's plan? Is he just going to open fire on them in the middle of this room? Or <laughs> Clearly like... everybody in here is a member of the Bio-Illuminati. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. And Marcus like, oh, Philippe? I didn't know you meant Philippe. I know Philippe. I know everyone. It's character economy. He's like, I thought you were dead. He's like, that's what everyone, I want everyone to think. Please make yourself comfortable and order whatever you would like. And Mimi, still not getting it, is like, I, I've been trying to. I just want a goddamn martini. His expression is like, where do you find this bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what I find increasingly baffling about Mimi in this scene specifically, I'm sorry to keep harping on it, is she wants to be part of like a highly political special intelligence task force thing and cannot understand this very simple code word situation. But later she will be able to hacking so good she shuts down an entire colony. Yeah, maybe she, she put all of her skill points into computers. She actually has a very low diplomacy skill. No, she has a very high intelligence skill, but a very low wisdom skill. So anyway, Dieter is like, oh, there's a lot more security down there than you said. And he's like, hey, I warned you, there are always unexpected developments. And he's like, one of those expe- unexpected developments cost us the life of one of our guys. And like, yeah, uh, that is kind of how dangerous work works, dude. You knew the risks going in. But this movie apparently didn't. The DM <laughs> hadn't thought that all the way through yet. This is an NPC popping up at the end of the uh, you know, third or fourth session. And he's like, so... What was the results? And he's like, look, flashbangs. And Bartender was like, whoa, I could make some sick drinks with that. I totally expected Philippe to betray them here. I kind of did too. Yeah, he's got that architect feel to him. Yeah. Also, it seems like getting this to this guy should be their objective, right? That's why they came to him, but now they just got to go to Gaia. Why did they come to this guy? I mean, he's going to give them a cool mobile suit. I thought they already had that. No. Oh, I guess they couldn't have, because they stole the shuttle. Yeah, no, I guess he's funding the research or something for altruism, question mark? So, in one of my favorite bits of terrible exposition of all time, he goes, how much do you know about the organization I work for, Mark? And he goes, oh, the Illuminati? Uh, Just that they're like a secret organization. (laughs) Something about dollar bills. 
No one comments on it. They pretend that the Illuminati is not an already extant organization and is only this thing for this purpose. To be fair, I don't know how common the idea of the Illuminati is in Japan. They might have just pulled the... Uh, I guess they pro- the Canadian guys probably would have written the script. Mimi does seem to be aware of the political implications of the Illuminati. And, like, have a handle on that while she gets wine drunk like a mom. <laughs> Margarita. or mar- Yeah, martini drunk. Yeah, so we're back to the the rig. Yeah, cut to C-Lab, where Jack is giving a media tour about how Mark is a traitor. This scene also makes no sense to me. Well, also, we got all the reporters from the Gotham Gazette showing up to... <laughs> Just like all the reporters are dressed like they're from Tim Burton's Batman movie, and I don't know why, especially when they're underwater. It's very cold in this base. I, and apparently, like, this has, like I said, a lot of Nazi vibes, a lot of we control the media vibes, but the reporters are all asking very relevant, piercing questions, like they know what's going on. <laughs> the dude there on the side looked like they were holding a Glade plug-in. <laughs> and so they're like, we heard that guy and Rebels were behind it. Were they here to sabotage the plant? And Jack's like, the plant sucks and everybody knows me. Knows that. Don't quote me, though. Anyway, now it's a Congress base. It's one of the biggest waste centers of taxpayer dollars. And like, are you saying Mark is involved? And they're like, well, suffice it to say, we are shutting this place down. I am shocked. Shocked to find gambling in this establishment. And turning it into a Congress facility. You know, that thing we can do? Because we're dictators. Eminent domain, Jeremy. Eminent domain. It's also, maybe Hydrogen was actually a government project? It's kind of implied to be based on that scene, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, Cut to a theater. For some reason. I'm sure this was a really cool point in the script at some point during... I feel like this is the set they had. Yeah. In in a couple of years, we're going to have a sad boy meet with his fiance on the (laughs) stage. So we're going to preview that here. A surprising amount of Gundam Seed in this, huh? Yeah. For a series that was not out yet. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense given that uh, it's trying to ape Star Wars and Seed was aping Star Wars in a lot of ways. True. Anyway, behind this theater, we have the G-Savior. Note its legs and how they're too long and the torso is weird. It looks much better in every other shot of it. But here, the reveal shot, it looks awful. And this is where it should look best because they don't have to animate it at all. This can slash should just be a matte painting. Yeah, it really should be, but they decided to put it in CG for some reason. He's like, anyway, the Illuminati made this from the genius of our savior team. We hope the Kiriyamato doesn't cut all its limbs off. <laughs> And so Philippe's like, we've made some improvements from the Junkers you used to fly. And Mark's like, yeah, let me get excited. And Technobat was like, there's no time for that, Mark. I want you to pilot it. What? Like, okay. I will say, so part of my problem is with, with the Savior just looking at it, or the G-Savior here, is uh, it's flat paint scheme. It's flat color scheme. Like, yes, That's I will. to make it easier to animate. I, I know <laughs> that. It's just, but like, I, as a person, I'm always going to harp on, you know, the camouflages for Sissy's crowd and whatnot, as most Gundams are. But it is a very stylistic thing. I mean, just looking at Jeremy's collection here, that white, red, and blue color scheme is so iconic to the the Gundam. Yeah, and this does not have it. The fact that it, it's kind of trying to do that, but it's such a matte, flat scheme. Like, it's a very, very dull rust red and a very washed-out blue. I thought it was supposed to be puce, like, just awkward purple. Okay, wait, so I have a real quick gripe with Philippe's plan here. Was he expecting Mark to come the entire time? Did he not have another pilot for this thing? I feel like in Gundam tradition, he was waiting for a suitable pilot to show up, and he's like, oh, Mark, Mark will be great. Okay, that's, I'll, I'll buy that. 
You were just waiting for sense. someone. Yeah. I built a Gundam. Surely a pilot will fall into my lap. Oh, hi, Mark. I mean, that's how that works. <laughs> well, I mean, we know this guy's a pilot. We, well, you we find out later. No, he actually said it here that they he was also a pilot. Yep. But he's like, you know what? I can't possibly do it because you see this receding hairline? Yeah. I'm even older than you. I can't be a Gundam pilot. I'm no Mula Flaga. Anyway, Cynthia's here now. And she's like, will you help us, Mark? And he's like, haven't I done enough helping with your helpless mission? You mean the hopeless mission that you have literally shouldered your way into participating in? But I'm a reluctant hero, guys. Still, somehow. Again, going back to the character motivation things. Half the time he's a reluctant hero, and half the time he's like, jump in with two feet, where's the next quest? And, you know, snarking his way all the way to the bank. Yeah. I like also, now we just have a screen. A floating screen in front of it that's like, See, look how big of a jackass Colonel Jackass is. He's being a jackass on the news while the reporters are like, hey, I'm pretty sure Mark is probably a good guy. And he's like, no, he's definitely evil. Goodbye. We also see Mark's friends getting arrested or marched out of the base or something. Also, there was definitely no science juice on this base. Don't worry about it. One of the reporters is like, what about the mystery science fluid that we heard about? And he's like, that was not real. Fake news. Again, how did the reporters get all this information? Mark didn't give it to them. He's in space. Uh, Reporting just got really Uh, good in space future. They rolled really well on their investigate checks. So anyway, Philippe, see, this is every man's problem, Mark. Not just Guy is like, not mine, but I am going with them. But I'm not taking your stupid mobile suit. Except they are, so. And Cynthia's like, what was that about? And he's like, I was hoping that time would have healed Mark's tragic backstory. And she's like, so are you going to tell me or the audience what that is? And he's like, no, it's not time for that. He doesn't need the stat boost yet. (laughs) Fade to Manhattan. So cut to Mark on the shuttle looking depressed. Now he's fine sitting in the back. It looks like, honestly, when I first saw this, I thought he was on like a commercial liner. It does look that way. So Cynthia wakes up and is like, hey, let's talk about your tragic backstory, man. And he's like, well, you see, once upon a time, I was in the military and there was another pilot who was malfunctioning. And I was like, I should go save him. But then Colonel Jack Ass, who at the time was Lieutenant Colonel Jack Ass, was like, <laughs> no, don't. Your plane is too expensive. Slash mobile suit. Slash whatever I was in. There are only extreme close-ups of my face. So we don't know. <laughs> anyway, I decided to go save him, but I was too late. And if I had just done it 30 seconds earlier... I might have saved him. Also, it was during a routine training exercise, so I'm not sure what sort of danger this guy got into. Well, it, Malfunctioning well, they, equipment, perhaps. He also says that if I if I hadn't resigned, I would have faced a court-martial. I'm pretty sure you'd face a court-martial yep. anyway. <laughs> Maybe it was a political thing where they're like, if you don't resign, then we will court-martial you. Yeah, well, a court-martial it, doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. No. It usually does. That's what everybody thinks of it as. But it's like, I feel like in an incident like that, everybody would face a court-martial to figure out what happened and why did we lose a guy on a routine training mission. Yeah, it feels like Jack should be the one who... Oh, yeah, definitely. And and to be fair, maybe it's not his fault. If it was equipment malfunction, there's not much Jack could have done about it. No, but everybody still probably would have faced a court-martial as they were investigating what happened. Because that is also part of what the court-martial does, is my understanding, is do that kind of investigation. But this is the future Canadian Imperial Army, so who knows how their discipline works. <laughs> you get flogged by a goose. <laughs> <laughs> a Mountie. You, no, you're, you're forced to become a Mountie. It, it's not a goose, Tyler. You'd be, you have to uh, square off in the squared circle Pentagon against a rabid moose. So anyway, this is a lot like the start of this movie, and you'd think I would have a lot of emotions about that, but not me. I'm a cool action protagonist. 
the way he keeps looking when it cuts to him on the shuttle actually he, looks like, like he he's, just like he's was, supposed to look concerned i'm pretty sure he actually looks like he has indigestion no i was going to say it looks like he's like just woken up from the dentist like the anesthesia is just wearing off and he's just starting to become aware you know what's even better about this is the director saw that take and was like that's exactly the emotion I was going for. Do you think they were allowed multiple takes, Tyler? <laughs> they probably got a couple, but they were probably like, all right, you have this many takes. Like, yeah, that's close enough. Anyway, there's space lightning. It wakes them all up. And pilot friend is like, guys, we got a problem. It's space debris. And they're like, yeah, we had to go through the asteroid field because that was the only way to avoid critical airspace violations. Yes. Why do we have this debris belt? Is it the one from Gundam Seed? Did the Junius 7 break apart? I don't. Is, I, I assume this is just like okay. So it's the future in space. We've been launching a bunch of stuff into the atmosphere. I just assume this is the junk belt from like everything that we just left oh, derelict in space. How many of Earth's Lagrange points are just going to end up being dumps in the future? Uh, more than you want. <laughs> yes, that's what I just realized. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel it'll stay that way for very long because you'll probably build up a bunch and then just and stick then a thruster. <laughs> just just like stick a thruster on it and fire it off. That sounds expensive, Zach. We could just leave it there. Uh, I was going to say, screw asteroid mining. We could just go mine our own junk piles. It's just future dumpster diving. Yeah. So, Dieter is like, oh, I bet if I got in the G-Savior, I could blow up that debris and we'd be fine. But Mark's like, no, I'll do it. I'm the main character. You're not allowed in the G-Savior. You're not a main character enough. All of my interactions with you are me telling you not to do things. Because you're supposed to like me. Yeah, and somehow this I, ends this up supposed, working. This is supposed to be him being heroic. For reasons. I think it's the best action scene in the movie. I kind of think it works in a the middle of a sci-fi original movie action sequence. So he's now changed out of his suit into his weird like football player flight suit. <laughs> it's really silly. It just With looks like a uh, goddamn fur collar for some reason. I don't mean to keep up bringing up Final Fantasy fourteen, but the first dungeon set for tanks looks exactly like this. So I've had four different characters in this outfit, and now I've always just been like, I'm so close to good gear, just a few more levels. <laughs> But yeah, he just looked like a footballer, and he puts on his space helmet. I do actually like the cockpit of the G-Savior. They actually spent some money on that set. And I also like the way the screen boots up. It looks actually very Universal Century. It actually does, like the inside of it, there's a lot of blinking lights. But it does kind of look like a Gundam cockpit that we've seen in most series. Is this thing a Gundam? They never call it that. I mean, it's got the head. It's, it's got, got the, the head. I mean, I've, I've been thinking of it as a Gundam largely because of the head. But there's no stupid acronym anywhere or, like, no one calls it that. Like porn, I know a Gundam when I see one. <laughs> That's a Gundam. It's not a good Gundam, but it's a Gundam. I do kind of like its beam shield on the arm. So Mark just starts shooting debris. Seemingly at random. It doesn't even look like half of it's going to hit the shuttle. It also just looks casual. It looks like he's, like, doing a training level in a video game. Yeah. It's like, okay, what does this button do? Okay. But there's a big debris that they're flying right towards and can't possibly go around any other way. And Mark shoots at a bunch and he's like, oh no, it's not working. So he grabs onto it. Donor Kebab says that there must be another way. So he pulls out his beam saber. It's kind of a cool reveal, I guess. And cuts the piece of debris in two. Which, like I said, I actually think this action scene works fairly well. I actually do like the shot of the Gundam like pushing the debris either way to make a path. And for the second time in this movie, Mark gets a standing ovation from everyone on the bridge. And Cynthia looks at Mimi like, I'm taking your boyfriend. <laughs> so anyway, for some reason, Gaia won't answer them. And so Dr. Graves is like, we're either going to fly in or we're going to blow our way in. Your choice. And like, shit, we just had radio interference. <laughs> Calm you down. 
Jeez, holy crap, lady, I was in the can. Again, that I think gives credence to the fact that this is actually just a role-playing game and she just like went for an intimidate check. Like she was having a bad day when they started up, so they're like, all right, fine, I, what are you going to do? I roll intimidate on the port <laughs> controller? <laughs> yes. So you know this is a good place because there are lots of plants and sunlight, something this movie has not had and so far. And people wearing robes and baggy clothing. They're yeah. not wearing uh, Nazi uniforms. Yeah, they're wearing Jedi outfits. <laughs> oh, man, the fashion on Gaia is my favorite thing <laughs> in this movie. It's Jedi. <laughs> also, Mark stays in his football pads. Well, yeah, It's showing the progression of his character from civilian schlub to, to, to Gundam pilot. It looks like an Akagai cosplay to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really silly. Except it's got that stupid, like, fluffy lined collar. What is that supposed to it, do? It's, it's reminiscent of a bomber jacket, Tyler. It is, yes, but why? It's supposed to invoke the spirit of a bomber, of a bomber crewman. So Mimi's like, oh man, I'm so happy to help you with this mission, but like, is there somewhere I can shower? Can I use the little Mimi's room? Put on, a, like, a guy in robe and seduce my boyfriend. <laughs> and and, man, it doctor, just occurred to me that she is still in a wetsuit. <laughs> yeah, she she is still in a I think she's in a wetsuit pretty much this entire movie. And yet Mimi has made, I want to say, three costume changes already? Uh, well, you see, she's a prissy girl. Anyway, Cynthia is like, hey, Mark, do you mind helping me with the politics real quick? Go to the politics room? Mostly, I really don't want to talk to my mm, dad. Not dad. Definitely not dad. Don't worry. So we cut to the dad from Family Matters in a Jedi robe. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in like a leather recliner, which is how you know he's the head of the government here. <laughs> it's because he's got a leather recliner. And so anyway, he's like, the Earth government has given us an order to return you and the rest of your party to their custody immediately. That's pretty reasonable. Thanks to you, there's a destroyer hovering out our airspace. I, I imagine like a Star Destroyer probably. We haven't seen one, but a destroyer. And he's basically saying, you know, you guys have kind of put me in a rough spot here. I like, I don't have the means to fight this. But then he immediately doubles back. He's like, but if I gave you back to them, they would probably not back down in any way. And Cynthia was like trying to science at him. And he's like, I know about bioluminescence. Everyone knows how it solves hunger. But why would Congress want to start a war over it when it's so mutually beneficial? And since he's like, they want it for themselves. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense because then they could monetize it. They want the copyright on it. <laughs> Trademark. Anyway, she's like, they're already taking over all the weak agricultural settlements and we'll be next. How are we supposed to defend ourselves in our robes? Anyway, you got someone killed, daughter. So you have to think more carefully. And, and he's like, like, he's your father? I Yeah, all characters all right. know each other in this setting. Say what you will about this movie, it's very efficient with its use of characters. Yep. Because they could not afford to pay more people. <laughs> so we kept to Mimi looking at her clothes, looking just bored. Do you think she brought those from Earth, or did she buy those since they got here? I have no idea. I feel like she must have bought them, because she couldn't have taken that much, right? But also, it seems like she would have if she could. But she was not expecting to go on a space adventure when she left her apartment. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if she had, like, a briefcase or, or anything. She, she did not. Yeah, okay. She had a purse. Anyway, cut to the Botanic Gardens. Anyway, now Mark and Cynthia are like, hey, but we should make out, right? And she's the finally male. lost that wetsuit, although Mark is still in his flight suit, his football pads. It's actually his formal flight suit. It's so goofy. And so Mark's like, hey, you see anyone? And she's like, no. Not yet. And he's like, anyway, sweet garden you made, I guess, because you're the engineer of plants. 
anyway, he's like, good job at plants. I wish I was good at plants. I tried to plant underwater, but Jack said it was stupid. <laughs> she's like, well, you should have just tried plants in space. Anyway, she's like, I want to thank you for the last couple of days, Jack. I wish there was a way. Wink, wink. And she goes for a handshake. Which he takes. And then they start making out. Okay, so what I do like is that Jack very clearly went for it there. Yes. And then her response is, I don't know why I did that. Yeah, it's weird. And like, if she was the aggressor, it would kind of make more sense, even if he was into it, because he has this girlfriend that he seemed loyal to this entire time. Although, to be fair, she definitely kisses him back. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. It's not like she like pushes him off and is like, oh, no, she is all about it. And then he goes back in for another do- in a, another dose. Yeah. And meanwhile, not at all hidden, and definitely Cynthia should be able to see her. Mimi's watching. And so Mimi has left the area and is like, what's the best response for this? What is the most level-headed response <laughs> for this? <laughs> I love, I love her course of action as a result of this. And to be fair, Markham is immediately like, well, I should probably tell my girlfriend I'm making out with you now. It seems like we have nothing in common, so... Yeah, that is his first reaction is, I should probably go tell Mimi. I should probably break up with my girlfriend. That's exactly what it says here. I need to talk to Mimi. And we go to uh, Colonel Jackass and General Evilton talking behind some frosted glass doors. But then we, like, cut to their faces between a clear part on the... Like, you know, whoever was filming this was like, I want to try a shot. This is the same thing as that stupid spinning shot earlier, except I think this one works a little better. Anyway, we got a computer screen. It's like, if you would like to automatically turn on the all the weapons, please press enter. <laughs> and we, we cut to the Rebel Alliance's base to fight the Death Star. And they're like, oh, that destroyer's still there. And for some reason, all of our weapons are pointing at it. And Mark's like, turn them off. And he's like, we tried. We can't. They're not responding. <laughs> Gee, you don't think we thought of that, <laughs> did you? And he's like, can we communicate with the destroyer? Tell them to pull away. But it won't work. And then, oh, it's Mimi. Yeah. She's like, ah, oh, make out with my boyfriend. I'll destroy destroyers and say it was you. The most level-headed response to this in history. So her- Starting an international, or sorry, global and interglobal conflict. Yeah, her plan is shoot the destroyer, run away with Mark. She's got a slightly more intricate plan because we will find out that she has contacted the general already. But yeah, they get a direct hit on the exhaust port, which does not destroy the destroyer. And so General Evilton and Colonel Jack are like, yeah, now we have an excuse for all that war. Good luck, sir. Thank you. But we're not the ones who will need it. Ha 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 I wish we had mustaches to twirl. Jack, why didn't we grow mustaches? <laughs> I, I love how they say that. And then they both go sit down in chairs right next to each other. Like, that's the kind of thing you say. And then you both split up. But no, they say this, and then immediately sit down in the two chairs right in front of them. Man, that's an awkward situation. So anyway, they detected two launches from California that are going to be here in four hours. And Jack's like, oh, it's not just a destroyer. It's a mobile suit carrier. That's way worse. This is the first time mobile suit has been said in this movie. (laughs) At the hour mark of this hour and a half long movie. Uncle Phil is like, well, we have to set the alarms, put all the women and children on evac shuttles. And Mark's like, you need to consider surrendering. They're going to have way more power than you. So the guy's response is, if they were going to give us a chance to surrender, they would have given us a warning. A warning after you shot them? (laughs) Yep. I know you guys didn't do it intentionally, but by everybody who's paying attention to it, you fired first without warning, so why would they warn you? Warning. 
So Cynthia's like, hey, we do have some mobile suits, but uh, they suck. But hey, maybe if we had you helping in the G-Savior, we could win. And you could lead our squadron. And he's like, this is a goddamn suicide mission, and I won't do it. I'm going to take off in the Millennium Falcon. We should surrender. That's what a hero would say, right? Uh, to be fair, that does seem like a Gundam Protag move. Yeah. <laughs> and surrender? Also, it does not seem like an unreasonable approach. I don't know that Kira ever tried it. Well, Kira's a bit weird, but yeah. Kira's like, I don't want to fight anybody. Yeah, I feel like surrender. if Kira thought he could surrender, he would have tried it. It's definitely a Kazi move. Remember Kazi? <laughs> I miss Kazi sometimes. Uh, a thing we thought we'd never hear. <laughs> so anyway, Mark comes in. He's like, hey, Mimi, I want you to get on a shuttle so that you are safe. And she is just like changing back. She like looks like she's getting into her seduction clothes. Except it's more of like I'm changing into my evil suit. Yes. And she's like, oh, relax. All you have to do is tell me you're sorry. And then everything go back, back to the way it was. And Mark's like, what are you talking about? I, what the fuck are you two talking about? And she's like, you really don't think I'd let you throw both our lives away. I still love you. And blew up an entire destroyer for you. And then Mark realizes she blew up an entire destroyer for him. And he's a little creeped out by that. Well, he sees the fact that she has the the automated defense gun hacking thing just on her terminal. Because she's not very good at this whole espionage thing. She's a really good hacker. She's really bad at everything else. He's like, anyway, the general said he would spin this whole thing when we got back and make you a hero again. And she's like, you're going to get those people killed, Mimi. He's like, I don't care about these people anymore. My motivation now is that I just am jealous that you made out with a black woman. I mean, her whole thing this entire time has been I'm following my boyfriend around. But, like, she didn't seem malicious until now. Like, she seemed kind of ditzy in a couple of places. But not like, I'm going to murder the world because I don't like you. Yeah, Mimi is my favorite character in this movie. Because she is the most a character in this movie. And that her (laughs) motivation is always changing and inconsistent. And I never knew what she was going to do when she showed up on screen. And I found that delightful. And right now, she's rolled Yandere on her personality. (laughs) And she's like, you don't understand, Mark. And he's like, no, you don't understand. And he locks her in by slamming the keypad. I love how he steps out of there. And there's just a bunch of people walking normally through the uh, the terminal and here. And then they start running because then the announcement goes off saying, women and children, get the fuck out. <laughs> Cut back to Mimi, who looks up at a ceiling grate in her room. The, this was actually shot, a baller move. I like it. <laughs> the shot lingers on it. It's very Star Wars. I love how it's a mobile suit hanger and just and it's in like that movie theater font. Yep. It looks like Blockbuster logo. Anyway, Mark's apparently decided that he's going to lead the army. And it turns out that the only people available to pilot mobile suits are the research interns. I mean, we also only find out there are them. farmers. Well, I mean, historically speaking, moisture farmers make pretty good fighter pilots, so True. maybe that translates to mobile suits. Cut back to Mimi getting on a chair to get out of the grate in case the shot of the grate earlier <laughs> was too subtle for you. So Mark gets on an elevator to raise himself up in the Rebel Alliance room. It, it looks more like he's standing on a forklift. Because I mean, you can see the forklift behind it. It does look very Rebel Hangar from Star Wars. I love. Okay, so this entire scene, he's like dividing people up, doing good general organization things. There's one guy in the background who repeats everything he says as he says it. Look, he's <laughs> just a... so funny to me. <laughs> That's the way he learns. <laughs> I called him the Riku in the audience. Then, like, everybody, like, doesn't do anything. He's like, now would be good. Which, again, is such a weird thing to have. Like, is that supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to make us like Mark? Is it supposed to make all these people look like an idiot? Because that's what it does. 
ominous ship is ominous. I love the wax figures of soldiers in the background here as we cut to the Imperial shuttle. And uh, the general giving a speech about how they started it. Yeah, you started it. You have five minutes to surrender and then prepare to be boarded. But General Dad is like, we couldn't surrender if we wanted. They're blocking our frequencies. And Mark is like, well, they've activated our trap card because that means we can take initiative. Do you think the general knows that they can't talk back? No, I think it's on purpose. I think he wants to shoot them up. And yeah, so he's this not- is where he becomes fully General Evilton. I mean, I feel like that was when he was like, good luck, Jack. <laughs> so cut to a bunch of Rebel Alliance pilots putting on their suits, booting up their mobile suits. Sam Turley's here. And like I said, allegedly one of these people voiced Atherin Zala. I don't know which. So we see the Gaians launching in their RGM freedoms. So I'm contractually obligated to like these mobile suits. They and to do be, have a very gym vibe to them. Yeah, and to be fair, I like gyms. And these are basically gyms. And so Colonel Jackass is like, General Evilton, they're launching. This is why I was thinking that maybe he didn't know that they couldn't talk back. Because he was actually on his watch, lo- like, watching it. I, I think time. that's just to make it look legit. Like, we gave them five minutes. They didn't say anything. I actually really like their, like, back-mounted turret guns Yeah, like, on the gyms. I really like the backpacks. They're not, like, seed backpacks. They're Universal Century, like, blocky thruster backpacks. They're pretty much just the gym's backpacks, but I quite like them. So we see some boogies launching to intercept them from the catapults. Yeah, I also like the catapult launching pretty well. It's not bad. Anyway, General Evilton's like, Jack, get in your mobile suit. I want you in this battle. I'm putting you in. And Jack was like, I wanted to kill some people because I'm evil. The Freedom start getting shot at, and it's a bloodbath because they all are a bunch of farmers trying to pilot Freedom Gundams into these boogers. It doesn't go well for them. There's some cool explosions. And the one dude who's got a name doesn't immediately get fried. That's true. Dieter. He doesn't do anything except for the fact that his mobile suit seems to be able to take more punishment than anybody else's. Well, he uses his shield. I do kind of like the like the damage that is being taken by his, like, because it looks like it's getting beat to shit. Yeah, yeah, like a piece of the head is missing, and it's got some like chunks missing out of the torso. And Jack, or, and Mark's like, get out of there. I'm sure I've called Mark Jack at least five times. <laughs> That's because Mark and Jack are terrible names for your protagonist and antagonist to have opposite each other. I also feel like they make the same face at each other all the time, like whenever they're both on screen at the same time. Well, they always kind of have that look of you farted <laughs> on screen at the same time. I was going to say smoldering action hero in the 90s, but you farted is also appropriate. So. so Mark is like, oh, they're picking us up like ducks in a shooting gallery, a thing people say. And then Mimi Mission Impossible's her way through a skylight and people are like helping her up like oh are you okay ma'am and she just gets up and takes off running like, which does, is just off her hands and legs and then just takes off it's great yeah like i said best character in the movie but now we can tell that she's evil because she nudges a child while she's running <laughs> yes the evilest of acts anyway congressional crafts are about the board cynthia and her dad both give mark this look of like you know you have to go out in the g savior you're not getting any tonight Okay, one, why did Mark just not go out in the G-Savior to begin with when he's the most experienced pilot? But B, if he wasn't going to, why not at least let Dieter take it? I don't know. Because we knew this was going to happen later. Anyway, Jack launches and definitely not the Sazabi slash uh, Zeong slash Nui Zeal. It's got a lot of Zeon in it. And he starts destroying freedoms, which would be cool and impressive if everything else wasn't too. This just makes Jack look like a bully, not like he is the trump card. Uh, to be fair, I think he's just supposed to come across as a bully at this point. 
Yeah, I don't think he's supposed to come across as the trump card necessarily. Well, these heels need better promos. So Mark's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'll be fine. Just secure the sample in case. Coach has put me in. I'm coach and I'm putting me in. Anyway, I need to make out with you real quick for luck and then I'll go do it. Also, no kiss for you, Uncle Phil. <laughs> I think that was the closest I came to laughing. That was, yeah, I was going to say, I think that might be the best joke in the entire movie. As that one, just because he, he does that, you know, no kiss for you and then keeps going. <laughs> Jack's facial expressions through all of this are great. Well, he's acting. <laughs> Which is not the same thing as acting. No. Mark gets a pretty cool catapult launch in the G-Savior. Which looks, like I said, much better. Its proportions are much better whenever it's an action. And Mimi just stands at an airlock, I guess, to meet the general. It's implied she let him in. She does a hair flip. Yeah, some guy walks out and immediately points a gun like an inch from her face. And she's like, who do you think let you in here? And the general's like, yeah, dumbass. And she's like, anyway, do you have the flashbang? And he's, she's like, uh, no. And he's like, you realize I'm an evil general and have like six guys with machine guns pointing at you. And she's like, I do know where it is, though. She looks so happy, like a puppy. Yeah. So the freedoms are doing better now. Just like by default, I think. Well, because the G-Savior is here to save them. This is probably the best action shot of it coming towards the camera, shooting at people as it descends. It uses its Vulcans on an already blowing up mobile suit. They don't do anything, so he uses the beam rifle. Is it a beam rifle? I don't I know. Think it's... I feel like it must be a beam rifle. It, but it's not throwing any beams. It, it looks more like it's their slug rounds. Yeah, it, they can't true. afford to animate the beams, is I think what's happening. Anyway, Jack is like, ah, Mark, we must kung fu fight. And there are mobile suits in the colony. Which was a mistake, because boy, so far they've been very careful to always show mobile suits in the bad CGI, either in the darkness of space or at night. But this is in bright Gaia, and man, they look bad. And also, we don't need these shots of a bunch of not jins killing civilians, presumably. So the mobile infantry storm the, uh, what's it called? The headquarters base. of the rebel base. And it's just the, uh, just Uncle Phil. <laughs> okay, really quick. They do call them, according to the subtitles, Kessler Grapes. <laughs> like, you're under arrest. You know, the thing you do to enemy leaders? Remember when we arrested Hitler? Well, I mean, we probably would have if he hadn't shot himself first. Would that have been arrest, though? Probably. I mean, they arrested a lot of his subordinates. You're under Fair. capture? Okay, I, mean, I guess. What? <laughs> and so he pushes the guy down, and another dude comes up and slugs him one. I'm like, what, what, what were you thinking of? Oh, this is the other joke that almost got me. Oh, this one is so generic and lame. I do not like it at all. Where it almost got me because it is the generic response, and it is a generic response I still like like and makes me laugh at. Yeah, so General Evilton is like, what a pathetic excuse for a leader. And Uncle, Uncle Phil is like, I'm rubber and you're glue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is the generic response, I know, but it still makes me chuckle. So anyway, General Evilton banishes him to the Shadow Realm. I'm pretty sure this is the last time we see him in the movie. N nope. He gives a Rebel Alliance speech. Oh, no, at the you're end. right. Yep, he you're right. He's he like, does. we fought a good fight. So anyway, Cynthia and her friend are walking through a way, I guess. And Mimi's like, oh, thank God I found you. Give me the sample. But then before she can do uh, like con, the general's like, good work doing a con. We're here to take him. <laughs> It feels like they might have, I mean, I don't think they would have given it to Mimi. They would have been like, why? But it feels like the general could have let it play out for a second. So Cynthia hesitates, but friend, girl, I don't Kobe. even know. Kobe, her ever... name is Kobe. Kobe! <laughs> <laughs> Grabs the satchel that has the sample in it and runs away. 
The dude, a dude fires at her, and sparks come up from the door frame in front of her, which knocks her down. This is so surprising; it knocks her down, and she rolls her over, and it's a mannequin. And I don't understand why you can have the actress here. <laughs> she doesn't. Like you don't have to actually shoot her; she can act. <laughs> it's not she's like she's bleeding or anything like that either. Anyway, the general's like, your time for adolescent idealism has passed. What do you think this is, a Gundam property? (laughs) But this, for some reason, makes Mimi face turn. She grabs the purse but takes the vial out and just gives it to the general. And she's like, what happened to the doctor that killed earlier? And it's like, oh, we threw him a wonderful retirement party. (laughs) I still would laugh if it cut to him, like, relaxing on a beach somewhere. (laughs) Like, wow, that was a great retirement. They just paid him. They're like, please stop this research. We'll pay you. Never. I can never compromise my principles for anything less. That is a lot of zeros. <laughs> <laughs> 60 billion double dollars. So cut to a pretty good shot of the G-Savior kind of sinking into the colony as it saves Dieter. But Jack is constipated at him <laughs> with a beam saber. This is the scene I've seen before. I watched this movie, this beam saber fight they have, which isn't terrible. I feel like it's a lot more realistic because Jack is just hacking. It, There's not very... like finesse involved. Yeah. They're also very slow in plotting like the original Star Wars trilogy lightsaber fights. Um, I, I believe my note on this entire battle is, well, at least this looks as clunky as it probably would actually be in reality. Cut to General Evelton monologuing. And Cynthia is like, ah, oh, without me, you'll never be able to use that. And he's like, I don't want to use it. I want people to starve so I can do wars. I want selective starvation and keep control over the world. I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. (laughs) Which also, this line is what causes Mimi to eventually betray General Evelton. Well, she's like, hey, that was a lie, right? You're definitely just going to, like, sell it or use it for us, right? As she takes it from him. She's like, she's wrong, right? And he's like, no, she's not wrong. I'm the literally the one who said it. Don't tell me this idealism is contagious. I feel like I want to use science is not idealism. No, I mean, idealism would be, uh, I want to just shonen at it to solve the problem. Yeah. But my feelings of friendship. Uh, Jack and Mark are still fighting. Dieter's still there. (laughs) Could you guys take this somewhere else or you're not almost stepping on me? They have arm shields. Yeah, I like that they both have arm shields. But Mark does a shoulder tackle and manages to get Jack down. Jack's like, I have shoulder guns, which knock the G-Savior on its ass. And get its arms stuck. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, it just like fell through the scaffolding of the colony or something. I don't know. But Mark does a neat trick and rips off his arm armor. His arm armor. And we have the the typical, I you never did see any point in a fair fight. Like, duh. Anyway, Mark jettisons his hand armor and manages to free his arm to stab Jack. And then because I guess Mark is Kira Yamato now, he's like, I want to kill you, but I'd rather see you go to jail. Which seems very modern superhero movie and not at all 90s action hero movie to me. The entire time I'm like, you should just finish him at this point. Like, you've had no compunction killing anyone else during this entire time. And I don't see why Jack would fry in court for this. Because they were retaliating to this base firing on them. The uh, only thing that I can think of would be um, putting him on trial for murdering that guard. Yeah, that's fair. But they don't have any evidence, right? No. But they won the battle, therefore they don't need evidence, Jeremy. Anyway, Jack Evil laughs because reinforcements are coming to help him. 
But counter reinforcements are coming to help. Hey, work. it's the Illuminati <laughs> with their own mobile suits, which are I don't textureless. I guess <laughs> they actually have a really cool design, but they have no color and no features. Anyway, someone's like General Evilton. We're being attacked by an army twice the size of our force. He's like. How is that possible? How did these guys, like, they have Illuminati money? How did they have more military force than us, the evil Canadian empire? <laughs> They're like, we believe the Illuminati is helping them, sir. It's like, well, I did just say Illuminati money. So anyway, before Mimi leaves, she gives the sample back to Dr. Cynthia. Dr. Cynthia? Dr. Well, Cynthia Graves. Yeah, I was going to say, not Ron. <laughs> uh, well, I mean... I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give her the vial and then leave with the general anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, what's Mimi's plan here? Because I love the way Mimi goes out, but what does she think is going to happen to her? She's like, oh, and now I'll leave, and then I'll be like, oh. I can I snark at the general before we die? It seems like she could have been like, I thought you had the sample, general, and like deny it if she wants to just get back. But that doesn't seem to be her no, angle the, at all. The, the reason is simple. It's because she recognizes that the main character has a new girlfriend and therefore the main character is only allowed to have one. There's only allowed to based be on one anime, surviving so yes. girlfriend. <laughs> yep. Therefore. Oh, she, she's flaying herself. Yes. How sad. <laughs> I was going to say it's a shame that no one in this entire movie ever says take it to your graves or something <laughs> to that effect. So Philippe is like, okay, Mark, you're needed in the colony. Because that's where our main character goes. We'll wrap all this up. I, I love that they didn't bother to put any paint on the Illuminati suits. They're just bland, featureless. Like, someone forgot to finish designing those. I feel like somebody forgot to finish making them the CGI. It was probably a good design for them. Yeah. Cut to the general and is like, wait a minute. If there's so many guys out there, then we should take a Gaia shuttle because that'll be safer. Yes. And generic guard is like, yeah, seems legit. I don't get paid enough for this. And Mimi is like, I'm coming with you. Because that is my primary character setup is I will follow anybody around. So the G-Savior puts on the ale pack to fight in the colony. I lied when I said earlier that that was the worst scene. This scene in broad daylight is the worst. <laughs> Where the G-Savior takes out these bagoos. Despite being maybe the best choreographed action scene, it just looks terrible because the CGI is just not up to snuff. At the time, it probably would have been a bit better, but it did not age well. Yeah, like, that's true of the CGI in general. I don't really mind it. It's just, they should have known. They should have said it at night. They should have had a comment about knocking out the power. Uh, there's a reason that you get more special effect shots at night. There's a reason that Pacific Rim takes in place entirely at night in the rain. <laughs> and that actually has pretty good CGI. Well, you can't tell because it's at night in the rain. I mean, that so. helps a lot. Compared to this, yes, though, Pacific Rim has pretty good CGI. General Evilton on the shuttle is like, give me the sample. If it was such an important thing, why weren't you carrying it all the time, General? He's like, where is it? And she's like, oh, I wasn't going to help you destroy it. I was so naive to think you were about something greater. And he calls her a bitch the first time of the movie. And again, what does she? why is she revealing that? What does she think is going to happen to her on this Nazi ship? The pilot's like, sir. Our own forces are shooting on us because we're in a guy in craft. I like how somehow there's this horde of Illuminati forces and there were these just two Imperial. Oh, it's 21 suits. and 24. They were staying as far away from the battle as they possibly could. <laughs> and like, oh, we can get credit for blowing that up. <laughs> anyway, Mimi finds this hilarious. And I love that this is how she goes out. Just this like, ha 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 laugh. Like, oh, this how ironic. You're going to be destroyed by your own machines, General. I'm explaining it for those in the cheap seats. <laughs> it's karma. And they have an, a very Spaceballs-esque, no! It is so over the top. <laughs> yeah. 
And it, it zooms really in on is. Mimi's face, just like looking very satisfied. She, she's so smug. Yes. Like, like she is defeated. Like she him engineered not, this. And not like she is about to explode too. And then they explode. Uh, so you know who we don't see the entire rest of the movie is Jack. What happened to him? The Illuminati took him to space jail in the pyramid on the moon. So Cynthia discovers that she got the vial, that Mimi gave it to her. And Dieter's like, looks like I owe your buddy an apology for saving me. Meanwhile, cut to the future. <laughs> yes, meanwhile, cut to the future. Yep. <laughs> oh, and this is the, the speech. Yep. Yeah, which again, for some reason, gave me huge Spaceballs vibes. I think because it's obviously supposed to be Star Wars, but they don't quite get that metal ceremony right with this guy in a robe. Again, it looks like someone trying to make fun of Star Wars instead of someone trying to do Star Wars. Meanwhile, Uncle Phil's like, hey, we did a good, and uh, we're standing against... We're not dead. Let me quote the U.S. Constitution. That'll send them home happy, right? Although maybe he's quoting the Japanese Constitution because we wrote it for them, so we probably took some from ours. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, you want to take from the best. Not sure who that is right now, but... Well, a lot of our Constitution was based on the French Constitution. Yep. So... <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure the French Constitution was written after the... Because the monarchs actually helped us. So their Constitution was written after the... Uh, after the, the Revolution? After the Revolution, yeah. I don't know. I'm basing this entirely on Jefferson spending way too much time in France. No, he did that after the after the Revolutionary War. Because he did go help write the French Constitution. Or at least their first one. So Cynthia's at the bar while her dad is giving this big over-the-top speech. About how now we've invented water farming and everything's going to be great. For reasons. Do they even have water on the space station? Probably. I mean, they have plants. Yeah, but why would you build an ocean in a space colony? (laughs) I don't know. You saw the plants from Seed. They didn't have oceans. They had, like, nice water features. They had ones big enough that had boats on them. That's so the rich people can sail. But you can sail on a lake. Everybody collapsed for the speech. Mark looks at the two friends and is like, are these my friends now? You know what? I'm going to give them a hug. They're my friends now. I'm co-opting these friends. (laughs) They're my interns now. (laughs) So then he goes to see Cynthia and he's like, hey, it's the end of the movie. We better make out one more time. And he's like, I'm not. uh, I'm leaving. Bye. She's like, are you going home? As he's wearing a backpack over his football outfit still. (laughs) Well, it's not like he had a change of clothes. and It's not like anybody would have given the guy that helped save their colony a change of clothing. True. Yeah, is this the same day, or like, did Cynthia just decide to skip her father's speech and immediately go to science room? Well, she also did change clothes. She did skip his speech. She says, "Yeah, I heard it on my comm link." But like, why? Because nobody in this movie likes speeches. That's her. Do you want to go see a speech by your dad? <laughs> Anyways, like, I have to go back to stand trial for that guy I didn't shoot. Yeah, I don't want them to think that we killed that guard, and uh, you expect to get away with that how? Well, if Jack is still alive, question mark, question mark, profit. Anyway, she's like, my dad offered you asylum, and we could get a pardon. But he's like, yeah, but that'd be like I'm running away from something. Didn't have a problem with that before. And Cynthia's like, you could belong here if you gave it a chance. And he's like, well, you could belong there if you gave it a chance. And he rolled better on his persuasion check. Because he is employing the uh, the skill that he took that he gets to try to get advantage by leaving a scene. Yep, he totally was doing exactly <laughs> that. Damn it. <laughs> Every time in this movie he's trying to convince somebody of something, he does exactly that. And then she's like, you know what? I could make a great rose garden on Earth. I'll come. And, his, and so he's like, so we should do that makeout? She's like, we should do that makeout. 
Well, we're going to need to take another person because I got to bring all my shit. Yeah, now we need a moving truck. We need a space U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Baffling. Oh, dear God. Um, you know, okay. So, assuming it's taking a lot of cues from 90s action movies, it has kind of standard 90s action movie construction. Yeah. It does, yeah. Like I said, if I saw this on the Sci-Fi Channel in 1999, I would be super into it. Is it a good movie? No, in no way. <laughs> Are the special effects good? Not even really for the time. But they're not unbearable, and I have a, a soft spot for this sort of bad 90s CG. I think the mobile suit designs are pretty decent. They're not I, the, terrible. The plot works. It's not good. I'm not going to get this hour and a half back, but it's not even frust- Like it, Unlike Destiny, it doesn't like overstep its bounds. And I like Destiny way more than this, don't get me wrong. It was trying things. This is not. But there's not the frustration, because this is exactly what it is the entire movie. It's kind of paint by numbers. It is? I was pleasantly surprised with how not horrible it was. Yeah. But I think that's, like, it exceeded my very low expectations. It, it ex- exactly. Yeah, it, it was better than I expected, but then again, I expected very little. Exactly. It was hard to watch at certain times, but it's perfectly competent, which is, like, damning it with the faintest of praise. <laughs> I mean, you were expecting anime, Tyler. So. I was, yes. Did this need to be called G-Savior? Did the G-Savior need to be in this at all? Well, no. how else are you supposed to sell it to the Gundam fanboys in Japan? That's a good point. You're uh, not. You make something better than this. Like I said, it's not the worst Gundam movie I've seen this year. <laughs> Which other Gundam movie did you see? I this watched year? Gundam Narrative. It's not good. Isn't it's, that the one that's like a weird recap thing? No, no. it's uh, it's the unicorn movie. It invents midi chlorines for new types. Oh, something cool. we needed. Yeah, its plot is not coherent. It's got a ghost in it. I mean, that that could be a plus. <laughs> this movie would have been better if it had a ghost. Yeah. What happened to Mark's friends? Who knows? <laughs> we saw them arrested. They were executed by the stormtroopers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything else we want to say? This I don't have a lot of final thoughts for this. Oh, we should do high points and low points. Yeah. I have not prepared for that. Tyler, do you have a high point of this movie? What is my high point of the entire movie? Oh, boy. I'm going to say when Cynthia uses the spare science juices as a makeshift flashbang. That's, like, the smartest thing anyone in this entire movie does. Zach. I think I have to go with no kiss for you. <laughs> so, mine is M- Mimi's reaction at the end when she's just laughing. Like, oh, your your mobile suits are going to blow us up. <laughs> Delightful. Like a maniac. <laughs> Delightful. Tyler, uh, do you have a low point? Do we have to pick low points, too? Uh, the entire rest of the movie. No, I have something. Um, I, I think specifically, like... I'm not sure if this is a low point, so maybe I'll make it a single point, and it's going to be how over-the-top maniacal Jack gets about slaughtering a bunch of people in space. But the more general point is just how increasingly evil they get over the course of the movie. (laughs) Zach. Uh, Low point. Low point. The whole movie's pretty low. I think I might have to go with the fact the Illuminati... The, the Bio-Illuminati being like, yeah, yeah, we built this mobile suit. We just kind of waited around for a pilot. And since you're here, here, you take it. But also we have a ton of, of this our other own. unidentified mobile suit type. Yeah, we just have a whole bunch of other stuff floating around. So I touched on it in the recap, but this it's the scenes in broad daylight in the CGI. They don't look good. They look pretty bad, yeah. I know, this movie is weird and full of a bunch of like... Not very useful scenes, but also, like, I don't know which ones I would cut. 
but there are a ton of them, right? Like, why is there the escort with the general in his room? There's, it's not even scenes. There's so many details in this that yeah. aren't needed. Like, what's up with Tim Curry in yeah. the middle of this movie? <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of other scenes that got cut so that this could fit an hour and a half runtime. And I don't know where they went. See, I That's don't know about that. Possible, given if they were trying to fit it within an hour and a half, like a movie, like a time slot or something like that, it, it makes sense that they would cut down a few spots to fit it in there. It just doesn't feel like the movie's missing anything to me. Like I can see where you're coming from, but like it feels like what they cut was more extraneous scenes, probably. Yeah, I'm hoping that is in fact what happened. But so yeah, hopefully you got your money's worth, Slack. I will say. I'm glad I watched this abomination, well, and I'm glad I'm never going to watch it again. Yeah, exactly. It's an hour and a half of my life I'm never going to get back. But I was curious about G-Savior, and now I've sated that curiosity. Again, thank you all very much for listening to us, this episode and every other one. I hope you all have a great holiday season, whatever holidays you happen to celebrate. Come join us on the Discord, we please. Can, I was going to say we can play turkey games. I don't know. Just in general. Come talk to me. I'm lonely. <laughs> Say Zach's never-ending quest for social contact? Wait, that doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> what were you hoping G-Savior was, Tyler, since you thought it was animated? Can we get that real quick? I mean, you thought it was bad, though. Yeah, no, I did think it was bad. I don't know what I expected it to be. I was just not expecting it to be live-action, because the idea of a non-Japanese-produced live-action Gundam film was not remotely on my radar. I mean, we're getting another one in the near future. We got a non-Japanese live-action produced version of other shows. Yeah. Not in the 90s, though. That is fair. Like, can you imagine the Death Note movie from the 90s? I know Death Note did not exist in the 90s, but... Well, and just, like, what a very tenuous grasp this has on any of the source material... Like, the closest thing we get to this being Gundam is honestly the text scroll at the beginning. It's really weird. We do have a lot of Gundam trappings, right? We have space colonies. We have mobile suits. But yeah, you're right. Like I've always said, Gundam is about shitty teenagers becoming better people. And here we have Mark Cuban trying to save bioluminescence from General Evelton. <laughs> it's There's a, not even a teenager in this movie. Yeah, it's just is such a, a weird teenager? tone. I mean, he's an intern, but I don't think that means he's a teenager. I, th I think he's a PhD intern, so he's probably in his 20s. I don't know. It's hard to tell. So thank you, Slack. I actually did enjoy this quite a bit. And thank you, everybody who listened very much. Whether you support us on Patreon, join the Discord like Zach wants, send us one email once and we read it and really appreciate it, or you just listen. Thank you very much. Zach, end the podcast. Bye.